the garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Mid-South Gardening. My name is Kenneth Mabry. I'm your host at the moment, our good friend and co-host of the show, Miss Veda Vance. She is on the way, Mr. Jim. Yep, she got rerouted and around an accident on the interstate out here, so she'll be here in a little while. And good morning to you also, Good Mr. morning, Jim. Mr. Kenneth. I'm Jim Crowder, the uh, short, fat half or third of this group. So... <laughs> Oh, Lordy, you've got a nice little Facebook page out there, by the I way. I do, I do, and we've had a lot of interest this week. In fact, this last week, we gained about 60 members. Uh, so it just keeps uh, it's expanding quickly. Yeah. Well, the you know the theme of the morning, the theme of the day is... Speak it, of the devil. Yeah, oh, yeah, here she is. <laughs> um, you know, we talk about this for the last seven or eight weeks in a row. We start the show out by, hey, it's still dry out there. Man, and, and it is. And trust me, guys, it is dry out there. We had that one rain in the last, what, five weeks? Something like that, yeah. Um, and it was a decent rain, I get it, but rains don't last forever. Mm-hmm. And that moisture, so... Stuff is dry. Very, very dry. And, and I've already had people, you know, of course you can't blame them. I've already had people coming into the garden center talking about how... Some things, Jim, just look a little wilted, even though they have irrigation. Mm-hmm. And we talk about this all the time also, as dry as it's been. And this excessive heat it, you know, and wind we've had, it's just, it just sucks the moisture out of the stuff. And, but my whole point, though, is they're relying on irrigation. And we've always said irrigation is there to irritate plants, not irrigate <laughs> them, right? So my point that I'm getting trying to get at, Jim, is, and Veda is, Veda, good morning. Good morning. Is... If you plant, now, established trees and shrubs, they can get by with irrigation because they're well-established for the most part. But if you planted some new shrubs uh, this past spring and you're relying on just irrigation to really deep soak those root balls, it's just not happening. Yeah, chances are good. You'll have to replace them. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's just, if you do the math, you know, on on the size of the root, zone on an established plant versus the size of the you know root zone of a new plant it's actually only getting 10 to 13 percent of the amount of water that the an established plant is just because it's you get x amount that's hitting the surface and you get a little bitty area versus a really big area Mm -hmm. on an established plant because a little bitty area you're talking about just the root ball that you put in the ground this past spring right zero you know there's some growth out into your soil but not Not a lot lot. so if you're if you're trying to depend on irrigation it's um it ain't gonna happen so just don't just ain't gonna happen. don't put up the hose just yet and yeah. do that deep watering i mean at least just once a week yeah go out there and give them just a good deep soaking talking about trees and shrubs miss mm-hmm. veda uh and good morning to you miss veda good morning we were taking up for you we know you had a detour on the interstate this morning i know you know it's one of those detours where they detour you but oh, yeah. there's no you don't see any reason why oh yeah i mm-hmm. mean there's nothing happening but you just can't go that way maybe the bridge is gonna fall in oh, i don't know because you couldn't go over it or under it i'm sure it's not it but they're psyching us anyway so here I am, yeah. getting in the middle of the conversation and don't know what we're talking about. Well, we're just talking about mm-hmm. how dry it is out there, yeah. how bone dry. And I'm telling you, you look at the forecast, there's no rain in the forecast. N- well, well, unless you, Jim, unless you the end saw, of the week. 
Yeah, you're, we got a fair chance because we're going to have, we've had all this above average temperature. We're going to mm-hmm. have some below average temperature. Of course. Yeah. Thank the Lord. Yeah, we're looking five days, probably Friday or so. Um, then it's, you know, we're looking at some nights, low 50s, maybe upper that. 40s. Mm-hmm. Uh, with daytime temperatures in the low 70s. Can't wait. Yeah. So, it, and when when that front finally comes through, there's a fair chance of some rain with it. But, um, you know, it's not going to, it isn't going to help the drought substantially. Mm-hmm. Okay. But we're talking about another week away before we're yeah. looking at a, right. a chance of rain. Yeah, there is like zero chance mm-hmm. the next four days. And I don't know why when the weathermen tell us that, that they're excited. Well, y'all, good news, no rain today. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Or... That old nasty weather's not going to be here. Let's have some nice sunshine today. I'm like, no, I love this rain. But we, so the rain we're going to get. So what y'all need to do is keep your, everything watered now. Because even if you're thinking you can go a week without rain, like Jim said, it's not going to be deep enough to do anything. That's right. Or it'll run off if it rains hard. (laughs) <laughs> the, uh, so so get out there with the water hose, we're saying, and do some deep soaking or do some manual watering uh, if you have to. And like I said, just make sure you check everything out because if you're relying just on irrigation, especially on shrubs and trees that were planted this last spring, this past spring, you could be in some trouble if you're not looking. Well, I cut the irrigation back at work. It would go on right after we closed and then come on early in the morning. So I took the night one off. Left the morning went on. Well, all of a sudden, mm-hmm. it's like that's not enough. It's supposed to be enough in the fall. It's supposed to be enough this mm-hmm. time of year, but it's not because we were so above normal. So y'all yeah, put I, extra water. I have seen so many houses with established plantings mm-hmm. that have irrigation where if you go to transplant in the Zaya, all the roots are in like the top three inches. Right. Mm. Because that's as wet as it's getting yeah. during that irrigation. Yeah. So it, you, they're a, irrigation's a blessing and a curse. That's, yeah. that's my whole point. Yeah. And I, don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking them because I love irrigation systems. They're there for a reason and they definitely help. Yeah, well, but if I you're think just that, relying on yeah, that, that's the you're problem. Right. You're right. And, and we think we can just rely on them. Uh, but you do need to do supplemental watering throughout the season to get deeper. Yeah, that's a good point, Jim. I mean, they're only going, the water's only going three inches down, and the plants are drinking every single bit. Yep, absolutely. And, yeah. then, and, and then containers. Think about those also. Most containers, most of them are just not mm-hmm. under irrigation, unless you've got some kind of drip yeah. system going to them. And those are going to be the first things to dry out. And I'm you know, raising my hand mm-hmm. over here because mm-hmm. I'm guilty as anybody else. Uh, and they, they need actually more water even than the, the plants and the shrubs that are in the ground. They even need more water later on than earlier because they're full of roots That's and right. there's no soil. Right. So <laughs> I almost uh, kind of had a little bit of time in there where I let it go too long without watering. Plants still look okay, but they have the summer summer doldrums yes, because they, of just getting behind on that water. And, and I'm guilty of that, and I think I'm going to go ahead and sometimes today and rip mm-hmm. most of the stuff out of my containers that I planted in the spring. I don't care if I don't put anything in them for a week or two uh, or maybe mm-hmm. even 10 days. Just I'm, don't look at what's maybe there. maybe even two months. Yeah, <laughs> right. Right. You know, and I'll, come back, and I'll come back and put some, you know, some nice fall stuff in there, but I'm telling you, they, they have— because I did miss some waterings here mm-hmm. lately, uh, they're not looking good at all. I mean, they're hanging in there, yeah, but they don't look good at all. I am a, a blessed man. My wife likes to water. 
you are a black <laughs> <Yeah>. man. <laughs> so she she goes out and she's been doing a lot of it twice a day because mm-hmm. it's just run out. And like you said, the the things that we put in pots now have massive root systems, you know, and they're drying that soil out. So you you just got to mm-hmm. put it back, you know, yeah. and 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 you know some of this you're not going to save, but you just hate to see it yes. go backwards. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yes, you do. That's it, man. I have the alyssum. The, or I guess it's the lobelia now, uh, the upgraded alyssum. Oh yeah. mm-hmm. All it's lasted all season through the summer because the summer wasn't horrible, but and it's no, it really was absolutely beautiful now. Just big fluffy white blooms, which you're not really supposed to see. And that's one of the plants that we use in spring and fall. So I can't take that out. It's so pretty. But then I'm going to put pansies in with it, and it's going to be these little pansies in this big plant. And we do see people go out there and try to selectively take out just the bad plants and get like a steak knife and cut the stuff (laughs) out of there. Oh, Mm -hmm. I get the hori hori knife. Uh, There you go. Cut it (laughs) out. Remember what's called hori hori? Because that's the sound. (laughs) No, it sounds that way. Well, first there was the hoe. Now there's the hoary hoary. Okay, we got to go to a break and give us a call. 901-260-5926. Hey, hit me that water pumpkin. And welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Don't normally hear my voice first, but somebody has a mint stuck in their <laughs> mouth over there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, y'all. I gotta tell you something. PM, thank you. All right, there's your PM. Yes, ma'am. Okay, y'all. I have a coffee <laughs> in my pace, mild. Yeah, that looks um, like a pace uh, salsa jar. Yeah, that is. And mm-hmm. I'm bringing my coffee in it because, and I'm gonna pour it on air like a country person. Mm-hmm. But my therm, my big cup didn't have a top, and you know Memphis roads. There's no way Mm -hmm. to make it without it spilling out. So, and I got to have coffee right now. Well, but if you want to give us a call, yeah, give us a call this morning, (laughs) 901 260 5926. 901 260 5926. You can always go to the uh, Mighty 990 Facebook page, Mid South Gardening, and shoot us a text. And it says, uh, Carl Roberts is watching this morning. And of course, our great friend, great dirt buddy. Uh, Jan Childers, she said, good morning, Dirt Buddies. So. Yeah, and she said, oh, close up on Kenneth this morning. Yeah, for a brief moment, right? Yeah, and I liked it that way. <laughs> I had a uh, good friend, uh, Tim, who's a teacher over at Harding Academy. Great, great guy, I'm telling you. Does a ton of stuff over there other than teach. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a question. He said he planted some squash back in the spring. And the squash bugs, the squash borers just tore them up. I mean, he said he just couldn't stay a step ahead of the insect problem on the squash that he planted in the spring. So he waited till late summer and planted some more. And he said mm-hmm. they're the most beautiful things, not one blemish, really? not one bug. And he said, and his question to me was, he said, mm-hmm. y'all talk about this on the show, was are insects the same for the whole growing season? Mm-hmm. And then you think about it, they all insects have life cycles. Yeah, right. And the first thing I thought of was, okay, well, think about Japanese beetles, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, Japanese beetles spend, what, 10 months of their life underground. Right. They're only a problem, well, not only a problem when they come up, but mm-hmm. that's when we notice the problem on our trees and shrubs is... So, so you're is thinking... When well, but yeah. like squash bugs, for example, mm-hmm. you know, they have a life cycle also. Yeah. I started looking it up last right, night. I'm right. like, yeah, I mean, we can have an insect 
out there from spring to fall. But I, I mean, I guess. So th- like if roses were annuals. Right. And you planted the rose after the Japanese beetle issue, then you wouldn't have issues on your roses. So you're saying if you plant your vegetables after the cycle is finished, then you're not going to have the insect problem on your plant. Well, and then one of the things that I read also, it says, okay, what if I wait until later mm-hmm. spring to plant my squash? Am I still going to mm-hmm. have a same potential problem with squash bugs and squash borers as I would if I planted, you know, after April 15th? And it was mm-hmm. kind of mixed answers. Some of them said, well, yes, potentially you'll you'll be in better shape because mm-hmm. the the heavy thrust yeah. of these, you know, squash borers and squash bugs has kind of passed. Mm-hmm. It's kind of subsided. So, and then, but they do lay their eggs in the soil, but they could... But they're not going to come back up on the plant because they're already, they're going to be dormant Yeah, but until it, next season. Well, but I guess, possibly. I mean, after everything that I read, and of course, mm-hmm. and knowing this before I even started reading that, think about lace bug, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, lace bug, we see them on azaleas really bad this time of year. So yeah. you really don't see a big, bad lace bug problem early in the spring, mm-hmm. for the most part. Now, I'm not saying they're not out there, but they're just not because, a problem. Because they haven't hatched yet, or as many. That's right. So so the answer to Tim would be that, yes, insects have life cycles. Some of them have longer cycles than others. Some of them are very short-lived, okay? So the same insect problems we see in the spring you potentially won't see this late yeah. in the year. We're yeah. always in a hurry to plant. It, and there's so many insects ex- that we have that will not winter here. They winter further south, and then as generations hatch, they move into areas. Mm-hmm. So if you were trying to do something in, uh, say, Jackson, Mississippi, you would have a lot of insects that eventually will begin to go away because they're moving northward. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's... Uh, yeah, everything has its season. In fact, we're going to talk during the third hour. Um, I got a call from Leslie Hollingsworth, our our um, t- uh, Tennessee field inspector here. Mm-hmm. They have found a spotted lanternfly in Tennessee, yes. which is not good news, um, over just uh, near Percy Priest yeah. Lake. And so, what is and what is the spotted lanternfly? Uh, what does it attack? Well, the main okay. thing it loves tree of heaven, Alianthus, which is a weed tree. Beautiful and, bloom. Yeah, and we're going to talk about, you know, if you have one, cutting it down. <laughs> um, okay. it, it is like a, a magnet to them. And, and when a tree gets attacked, it's hundreds of thousands per on a tree. I mean, it's, it's scary. Um, but if there's no alianthus, they eat other hardwood trees. All so right. they're a real issue to the lumber industry. All right. So well, maybe and, we... Excuse me. The um, vineyards, they like grapes. They also like fruit. So these are serious issues. Well, I want to hear what you have to say, Jim. Yeah, we're going to talk about that during the third hour. Yeah, okay, so I'll wait on that. Um, But anyway, they hatch in the fall. That's when you see the the vast Uh majority. So you wouldn't really have a problem with those in the spring and for the most part in summer. Right. So for Tim, our good friend, teacher at Harding Academy, is yes, he's... The, the the reason his squash looks so good now, potentially, yeah. I'm not saying other insects can't attack mm-hmm. squash other than squash bugs and squash borers, 
But he said it is night and day the way they looked back in the spring, which he really couldn't even keep the things around because it right. was so bad because he didn't have time to go out there and spray them like he should. And the ones that are out there now that look absolutely beautiful. Mm, maybe the farmer's almanac does have know something because hmm. a lot of times they're telling us to do things differently than what we've been told so that may and so that would kind of be the same with the uh guys that came in and talking about the tomato contest mm-hmm. how they had good tomatoes they kept their soil dry and then that way when it was time to plant they had the drier soil so then you would have less fungal problems because <laughs> the soil was dry so there's always, those are those little secret ingredients. Yeah, but th- like you said a while ago, you know, we know the frost date around here is April 15th, right? That's typically the last date we're going to have a killing frost. Well, we're biting at, we're chomping yes. at the bit mm-hmm. to get out there and plant the, the as soon as we possibly can. Right. Well, I mean, would it make any sense? Because I like, to, I'm, in my head, I'm thinking, all right, let's get this stuff in the ground. Let's get it, the roots growing before it starts getting hot in the summertime. Yeah. So if you wait till late spring, early summer, let's say to plant squash, for example, then you're fighting the dang heat. Mm-hmm. So I don't think waiting the bug out, Jim Veda, is going to be, you know, a a way to go. I'm I'm waiting it out. You know? Yeah. I, I know. Just, either I know. Either way. So. But I just think you need to go out there with your insecticide, Veda, and just and, <laughs> no, and just keep your eyes yeah. peeled. If you start seeing any problems whatsoever, just get on it early. Mm-hmm. I mean, just spray as needed. Yeah, and you you just brought up a point here. Somebody was talking about on our Facebook group that um, they had a real problem with squash bugs, and could permethrin would kill them, you mm-hmm. know. But even then, they would come back. And I said, well, they are going to come back because they're migratory. They're going to fly in whether you've treated your plants or not. Right. You're still going to see them come in. The thing is, when they feed, they're going to die. Yeah. So, you know, if you'll get frustrated because you will see squash bugs right. even after you've treated. And she had used spinosad and didn't think it was working. And it, it's really very, very good. Yeah. But you're still going to see some bugs. And it kind of reminds me of white fly also. Right. You know, Another problem that... You know, they just fly in. Kill right. them all right now, and 20 minutes they're back. <laughs> and people think that they're not getting yeah. rid of white fly. Well, it's one of those things where you're spraying to reduce the population. Right. You can kill every white fly you have on your property. Two days later, they're right back where they started from mm-hmm. as far as the population that you just got through right. killing. I wonder if people think if they don't hurry up and get the vegetables going that they won't be able to harvest them in time. Because, you know, you can harvest squash up to... Like 50 degrees when it starts getting below 50, it's not liking it so much. So we could still be harvesting squash. All right. So anyway, I know he probably talked that to death. Well, but I mean, but it's legit though. And because, Mm -hmm. I mean, he he just noticed how much better they looked this time of year than they did back in the spring. And that's when his question was, man, are we, do we still have the same amount of bugs in the fall that we do in the spring? That's such a good question. I love that. So I guess we do have the same amount of bugs, maybe just different mm-hmm. bugs that are out there that are more active in the fall than they are in the spring. But my whole thing is, I'm saying, if you're, especially if you're growing vegetables around here, man, you got to go out there and check those things almost every right. day. you got to be vigilant, and you have to spray as needed, I'm telling you. Well, speaking of vegetables, I took a picture of a beautiful purple mustard leaf for my Foliage Friday. Or an, or oh, an mental, oh, and uh, I mustard. have four pictures for Foliage Friday, but it's Saturday. You can I post it a, light. I think I might have to because I po- I took the pictures yesterday morning. 
And I this, had a whole day to do foliage Friday. Well, when you see people think purple mustard, they're thinking, mmm, that sounds good. Mm-hmm. Well, you can eat it, but yeah. it's more of an ornamental type mustard. Uh, kind of like the ornamental cabbage and kale mm-hmm. that we see out there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, David had this one listed as uh, edibles. It was well, in the edible. So we pulled us a leaf off and put some food in it and rolled it up and edibled it. And then we did it taste <laughs> it a little, was, was it a little hot? Yeah, a little. Yeah. It was, it was like that spicy, like you wanted to have. So, and then we did the Swiss chard, you know, we took some off for some lettuce and then we Definitely ate some edible. as a celery and wrapped that up. No, we're not, we're not bored at work. We're experimenting. <laughs> And it was all good, and everything's you're, alive. You're, you're eating the profit. <laughs> yeah, that's it. We are. Oh, better plant some so we can keep harvesting. I uh, just now but, found out why our inventory yeah, is so much. They've been eating it all. When I worked there, I was just eating all of it. But, you know, when I said a while ago how the stuff in my containers are looking, it's looking horrible. It's got the summer blahs written all over it. Well, that's maybe some of the things that you're talking about. Is what you would replace it with, whether it's pansies, violas, ornamental cabbage, ornamental kale, the ornamental mustard. Yeah. You know, ornamental uh, peppers. Yes. I mean, <laughs> all of those are all edible. I'm not saying that you need to go out there and eat them unless you're starving to death and have nothing else to eat, but they are great looking plants and they're cool weather plants also. Yeah. But those are the plants that we're replacing the ones that we're pulling up out of the pots now. Well, you know how we say use them as borders? Well, I used them as a border in our design at work. Fantastic looking. All right, y'all hang on. Give us a call, 901-260-5926. Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Glad we can be together this morning. Mm -hmm. Oh, see, guys? Oh, that's not up up to date. I was going to say, you could tell I'm not lying because it shows you right here on the uh, traffic on the computer. The red line on the interstate. Yeah, but that must be old. Need to refresh it. But if you want to give us a call this morning, 901-260-5926, 901-260-5926, or shoot us a text on the Mighty 990 Facebook page, Mid-South Gardening. When employees call in and go, I'm going to be late. I'm stuck in traffic. Go, uh uh-huh. Pull up MapQuest and just see (laughs) if this is true. And trust anybody, (laughs) Jim. (laughs) You know? No, no. Okay, so, anywho, where are we? Because I came in so late, I'm lost still. It feels weird. My Foliage Friday, I posted it on the wonderful Facebook page that Jim's administrator of. And what number are we at now, Jim? Um, 10,059 members. He said he had 60 new members just I this know, past week. Isn't that great? Yeah. Y'all, thanks for I mean, joining. who's left? <laughs> right. Well, friends are beginning to tell friends, you know. We have somebody the other day, uh, I think they hit 12 or 15, you know, that they invited. So if, if, you in, if you're a member and you invite somebody, we just go ahead and let them in. You know, that's mm-hmm. fine. But if they just find the, the, um, the, the Facebook group, then they have to answer some questions. Right. You know, and agree to the rules, uh, whether they read them or not, but they have to agree to it. But, you know, uh, and we do have, you know, if you, if you have two couple of violations in a month, like posting things, you always get a note that says, don't do that. And if you do it a second time, then, you know, well, Hi. I think you're going to need someone like AI to help you answer all these questions, though. I, I mean, I'm telling you, I mean, there there will become a point where you just physically can't read, Jim, all these 
questions that are being posted. Or mentally. <laughs> That's a lot of answering But I, and I think it's wonderful, That's though. That's depressing I really to think about. No, I know. I think, it's, <laughs> I think it's wonderful because, honestly, if people have questions, you know, either they go to the garden centers or they try to look it up mm-hmm. or they post it on, uh, you know, the Mighty, not the Mighty 990, but your uh, Mid-South Gardening uh, Facebook page. And it's not, the beauty of it is there are so many people out there that see it and answer the questions for you. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and that because there again, most of us, between us three sitting here, we've all made all the mistakes mm-hmm. that are out there. The, uh, you know, most of them twice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Because well, I'm like, oh, I figured it out. I'll do it again. <laughs> well, I went to the Red Barn at the Agri Center. You know, uh-huh. we've been going like every mm-hmm. Saturday morning. Oh, cool. And I'm, you know, getting the tomatoes, the homegrown tomatoes and some Jet Stars and whatever. Uh, and I noticed the last Saturday when I went in there, guys, about half the vendors are gone. You know, yeah, they're already, you know, closed shop. And mm-hmm. I'm like, man, I've been eating, honestly, a tomato salad or if not a salad with tomatoes in it every night for the last two months. Mm-hmm. Like and it, fresh tomatoes, yes, you mean? Yes, yeah. yes, ma'am. And I've been buying these, what they call just homegrown tomatoes. I don't care what. <laughs> because, what home. I don't, I yeah, because they have been so good. But I went to back to the place where we've been buying these homegrown tomatoes, and they were gone. Uh, so I, you know, I looked Did you lay down in the floor? No, because cry. I saw another pile of tomatoes right <laughs> down the aisle, so I went and grabbed some of those. But it got me thinking, man, these days are coming to a close. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to have to rely on those dang things that are in the grocery stores again. Yeah. You know, until next year. And I'm like, I don't know if I can do it again. And that just made my face squinch up. After eating about these that. great, I'm telling they've been tasting so good. I'm telling you. We make uh, tomato sandwiches out of salad tomatoes instead of slicing big ones I because don't, they have so much more flavor. Uh, Jim, I could yeah, do it in a heartbeat. Good idea. Yeah. And my wife, you know, will slice each one of them to make sure that there's nothing black inside of them. Yeah. No, it's yeah. about like a little cherry tomato. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know, She'll sit there and good. slice them in half, you know, and put bacon on it, make a BLT mm. that is out of this world. Because the taste of those little things is so spectacular. They're, they really are good. Makes sense. I like that idea. But isn't it kind of depressing? I mean, because normally you go into mm-hmm. the Red Barn, even like last weekend, I mean, or the, surely the weekend before, that place is bustling. Yeah. People yeah. are running around grabbing vegetables like they had never seen one. But there is good news. They sell ice cream year-round. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, man, I'm just telling you, I guess I'm going to have to wean myself off these great tomatoes that I've been eating for the last two months. Yeah, Not like you can freeze a tomato. No. And I like back a good salad, but not every night. Jim, I, well, I shouldn't say every night, but I mean four or five times a week. I mean, I've been eating these these tomatoes, and I just, you know, because mm-hmm. I love them, and I love the taste of them. But I promise you, I can remember when we they're not available, and we're still buying what looks like a great-looking mm-hmm. tomato at a grocery store. It looks beautiful, great, beautiful. But it just doesn't have the taste. Well, you need to go ahead and put on your calendar right now mm. that you need to be off for the uh, Great Tomato Contest next year because you love tomatoes. Well, and but, you, may, you know you just may as well be off that day. But, you know, that was a little overkill with the Great Tomato Contest because the way it was when, when we did it, mm-hmm. we actually had to taste Every tomato that was entered. Oh, when you and I are and Jim, before, yeah, yeah, that, and Jim. So before, every yeah. tomato that was entered, we were eating on that yeah. thing, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> I hope I don't ruin my taste. I know. Yeah, you know, of tomatoes because mm-hmm. I mean, and by the time the show was over, I didn't want to look at a tomato for another year. Yeah, well, when I I did it, I was like, I should be a good tomato taster because. I don't like them all, and so the one that's really good will be easy to point out. 
But when I finished the contest, I all of a sudden liked tomatoes more, <laughs> which is so bizarre, you know. But I would think the same if you like tomatoes and you kept tasting and tasting, tasting when you'd be done with them. Well, <laughs> but and then, but the, you know, but now we're moved along. I mean, mm-hmm. now it's time for some cold crops to be planted out there uh, and really take care of those. You know, is it cold or coal? Cole, C-O-L-E. Yeah, and people, I, and I say mm-hmm. that. In fact, I was yeah. talking to a customer just the other day, and I said, have you got your cold crops in? And he said, cold. He said, cold crops. And I went, mm-hmm. no, cold crops. Yeah. And, it, you know, it doesn't matter. It so sound, what? Either yeah, way, it's right, fine. Right. And this guy, he said, I wonder if that's the where coleslaw came from. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> <laughs> I said, probably. Well, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, because it's nothing but cabbage and that kind of I stuff. I said, what does there. coal mean? Cole, uh, well, C-O-L-E, it must be, I don't know. Well, look it up. <laughs> I know. I'm guessing we'll have to look that up but, but and look it up again and then cross-reference it and then check and then ask somebody and then look it up again to make sure I'm right because you just believe everything on the internet, right? But Of course. <laughs> but things like, you know, your turnip greens and your collards and kale and, you know, mustard and those kind of things, um, you need to make sure you feed them. And if you're using something organic, really all they need is more nitrogen more than anything because you're not trying to produce a bloom. You're just producing foliage. Uh, And going organic, I mean, one of the really good ones, if you want something dry just to sprinkle out there, is old-fashioned blood meal. You know, it's a 1200 pure nitrogen's all it is. Uh, another one, if it is a liquid, is, you know, fish emulsion. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a pure nitrogen um, but it's a water soluble. It's like a five one one. Uh, so whether you're spraying fish emulsion out there, which has a nice little odor to it, or whether you're sprinkling blood meal out there, or whether you're doing both, those are really good sources of nitrogen that are completely organic, right? Right. Yeah. You know, but if you're having a problem with raccoons, I would not do that. Because it would draw in some of those critters, Mr. Jim. And their cousins. And their cousins. Yes. And that's the case if you want to go with something synthetic that's not going to smell like fish emulsion and or blood right. meal. Uh, the two that I wrote down, one was, uh, of course, the Grower Special, uh, which is a twelve six six. You know, it's got more nitrogen there again than anything else, completely non-burning, very slow release. And then the Fertilome Start and Grow, which is a nineteen six twelve. Yeah. 19% nitrogen. So either way, my point is you do need to be out there feeding these leafy type vegetables. Get these things growing just as fast as you can. So like when I'm planting, I'm going to, of course, mix some compost in, you know, have the soil good. Plant. I'm going to use the... Uh, the microbes, what is it called again from Fox Farm? Like the big bloom? No, it's the one that's oh, got the all the... microbrew? Thank you, microbrew. Yeah. I'm going to use that. Good product. Maybe with some seaweed to, mm-hmm. to water everything in with, you know, try to get it quickening and the soil getting better sooner. So that's what I'm going to do. And then, you know, this it's going to start using all the nutrients I just put in the soil. So a couple of weeks later, I'll probably put plant tone in there. Mm-hmm. I think plant tone does have some blood meal in it. And then they've put other things in there to try to camouflage the smell, which works a little bit. But then, of course, like Jim said, if you have raccoons, but I don't, so I still try but you to may. use all that. I know. <laughs> yeah, but I could. Yeah. But um, plant tone, the micro brew, and the Fox Farm liquid. But, you know, like in the winter, I don't do that much, mm-hmm. you know, because it's not struggling so hard against our weather. So in the winter, I'm not, 
spray in the foliage and fertilizing every two weeks. And, and you would, so. during the wintertime, you'd want to use something like calcium nitrate because mm-hmm. that nitrogen mm-hmm. is available to the plant. Whereas when you get your soil temperature down below 60, you're not going, organic fertilizers yeah. are not going to be broken mm-hmm. down and be right. available to the plant. And, so. you know, right. should I, I, yeah. I should have mentioned calcium nitrate when I, when I wrote down, uh, you know, start and grow and grower special. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can also use calcium nitrate the same way because it's got what, Jim, the nitrate nitrogen in it, right. which is going to be readily available. Right. So yeah. you know, even ammonia nitrate wouldn't be available to the plants in, in cold mm-hmm. soil temperature. You know, and I heard that uh, the product called calcium nitrate, which we know a lot of people use around tomatoes every year, I mean, because it helps prevent blossom end mm-hmm. rot. Uh, but it is a wonderful source of nitrogen, uh, and it, a high yield is the one that we carry, the brand. Next year, they're they're changing the name to ammonia ammonia ammoniated calcium nitrate. Uh, I guess because it does have some ammonia in their gym, but I, it, I thought it was kind of weird that they're putting I that know, word in there. That is bizarre. Uh, Sounds like the, the wherever they're getting it from, their source has changed. Could be. Yeah. But it's still the same product. Is my point. So, it's just they just changing the name, and which they do from time to time. All right, y'all. Y'all can uh, find us at the Mighty 990. You can stream us if you're not picking us up well. We're on 990 AM and 109 point, no, 107.9 on FM. You can call us, 901-260-5926. Welcome back, gardeners. Y'all can call us, 901-260-5926. You can leave... uh, a message or you can be on air whichever also you can go to our facebook live and post a question there if yeah. you don't want to be on um, air mid-south gardening the mighty 990 uh facebook page so and during the week you can reach us at, Mid- at our facebook group mid-south gardening gardening in usda zone six seven and eight and i just posted my foliage friday on there yep and you know i'm kind of looking forward to fall honestly mm-hmm. uh cooler temperatures you know maybe some more rain coming in here I love, now don't get me wrong, I love spring. I, well, I guess I love all the seasons. Same, same. Um, yeah. But fall is, is, is pretty cool, and I really don't mind, and I, I, I shouldn't say, I, I don't mind taking all the old-looking stuff out of there and putting the good fall stuff in. It's kind of like a refreshment, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I was talking about, you know, taking the stuff out of the pots and going ahead and, and, and changing those out now. But I tell you, a lot of the bedding plants that we put out there in the spring you know, they still look pretty dang good. Look great. You know, and we, you know, of course, a lot of us wait till the very, very last minute to take those out and come back and put fall color in. Um, but fall color is available, Veda. You know, at Palladios, Dan West, I mean, right. there's pansies, violas, ornamental cabbage, <laughs> ornamental kale, kale, Swiss chard, mums, I mean, pumpkins, yeah. the whole thing, you know. So uh, we're definitely in the fall mode. And like Jim was saying at the beginning of the show, we, and you, we probably have another week or so before it starts feeling yeah, like fall right now when that happens people get into the mood mm-hmm. but it's hard to get into a fall mood when it's 93 degrees outside yeah. in the afternoon but do you remember for years when it always rained during fair week oh yes yeah. that's right and what what happened what when they moved happen? the fair to mississippi it doesn't rain here anymore <laughs> <laughs> They better move it back. Question. They better yeah. move it back. But you're right. It all it never, never failed, failed. You know, and hmm. and fair week is now. It was like the first. Uh, 
it was a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? Not, there was the Delta Fair first, well, and then the Mid-South Fair. Yeah, I mean, the Mid-South Fair moved to Mississippi, but when it was here, the same time frame, mm-hmm. it rained all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, Jim said, now that they moved across <laughs> the state line, we don't get that rain that we used to get. Oh. So, you know, what else is pretty in containers? We keep talking pansies and all that, but ornamental grasses, some sunflowers or some rudbeckia planted with it because it's blooming yellow. You can definitely add some of the trailing pansies. I the love wave, those. The wave the pansies, waves, which yeah. is a trailing type pansy. Yes, beautiful. Now we can have gorgeous uh, pansy hanging baskets too. So yeah, do some um, perennials in your container. <clears throat> that way you see something new all of the time. And still, I mean, we did one that had ornamental grass and cabbage pansies. The ornamental cabbage, yeah. yeah. And uh, thyme. That would trail over because the time's going to be there all season. Yeah, who says you can't use uh, an herb as a filler? Right, exactly. Yeah, I think mean, I see a lot of people even using parsley as a filler yes, plant. Yes, we've got the parsley to go with it too. So there's all kinds of other variations besides only pansies. Not to say that only pansy bowl or container is by itself yeah, still looks great still amazing and yeah. like we talked about you know a couple of weeks ago you know the difference between the especially the violas and the pansies you know the violas the little johnny jump ups had that little smaller bloom mm-hmm. but they are more cold hot well, i shouldn't say cold tolerant they actually bloom better mm-hmm. they'll bloom better and when it's cold than say a pansy will yeah and, and they, they can, also last a little longer in the heat yeah and they and they can take a little more shade also but the beauty of a pansy Typically mm-hmm. speaking, is you got that real big bloom on there, and you can't. I mean, you that big bloom. No, though. you cannot. So there, there's pros and cons. Whether you go to violas and whether you go to pansies, or you, some mm-hmm. people even mix the two, you can't go wrong yeah. with either one. Yeah, I mean, snapdragons too are great. Yes, they yeah. are. You know, they'll bloom practically all winter. Everybody local, their snapdragons aren't going to be ready for a couple more weeks. And I'm like, that's just kind of after everybody's We've been selling, grabbed yeah, everything. Yeah, and what about dianthus? What do you think about mm, that? Yeah. Dianthus is good, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, Especially. I've got, you know, the, even the annual dianthus I've had come back for a couple yeah. of years. Yeah, oh, me too. Exactly. You know? Yeah. I like the uh, perennials because of the silvers and the uh, gray foliage. That foliage looks good all of the time. <laughs> um, and, and it's a little different foliage. But the annuals, when they don't, the annual dianthus, when they don't have their blooms, it still has nice green, thick, fresh foliage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so dianthus are definitely one to use. And you see those, you see like 50 flats of pansies available and two flats of dianthus. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But but still use them. I think you should because we're always looking for anything to use. And there are really sometimes the annuals and the perennials are green. The foliage is there in the wintertime too. You know, and some of the like citronelle. Euchra, um, yeah. you know, stays yellow all winter long. Yeah. And Jim, what was on the Euchra, which is the coral bell, <clears throat> which mm-hmm. is a kind of more of a shade-loving, beautiful foliaged perennial. Uh, you know, they, they hybridized them things so much where mm-hmm. some of them were just not as good as the original Euchra. Uh, you know, like, say, what, Purple Palace that came out 15, 20 years ago. What is the what is the deal with you? Hugo you want to you want to pick one that has velosa back uh, heritage. Velosa, yeah. Euchre velosa is native to the southeast. It it likes or it has adapted to our heat and humidity. Um, <laughs> you notice how you said it likes, and then he corrected himself. <laughs> yeah. Adapt. So, but yeah, some of the other ones are um, they're great container plants, but they usually will not winter well here, uh, especially in the ground. 
So because it gets too wet, it, it's wet, cold and wet. Yep, and uh, so my pur- uh, Palace Purple is a great one. There are a lot of the uh, new ones now that are Velosa hybrids, uh, and I'm particularly fond of Citronelle because it yeah. mm-hmm. just retains its color almost year round. But there's so many beautiful heuchera on the market yeah. now. I'm telling Aspidistra you, Aspidistra makes a great tall plant in a in container. Yeah, take the freeze. Yeah. It's just Right. Which is the cast iron plant. Yeah. Cast iron got plant. Tall, yeah. good, upright. Evergreen. Yeah. Yes. And then you can do the yellow uh, carex with that. Yeah, you the get carex. a really bit bold look, that nice green, that yellow carex. It's there all season. And I guess when you're yanking all of your tired looking summer stuff that's been in the container since this past spring, you know, you do want to kind of refluff. Take the take the opportunity then because you probably need to add some more soil anyway, because you're taking some of that soil out with the root yeah. system that you're pulling out. But it's a good time to kind of add some more fresh potting soil to the containers and just kind of work it in. You, you really don't have to go in there and change out all the soil right? No. every planting season. No. You know, it's just good to go in there and refresh that soil. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing I've noticed is if you – I like to take that opportunity to Jim and Veda to mm-hmm. go ahead and really loosen the soil all the way down to the bottom of the pot if you can. Because a lot of times you'll see where that soil is really – kind of packed down in there Mm -hmm. even a good lightweight soil will pack down in there um so you just want to there again just kind of re-fluff the soil before you come back and plant your fall stuff in there and the smaller those particles get as they settle to the bottom the more water they'll be able to retain Mm -hmm. so that soil in the bottom can get quite wet during the winter time particularly so you want to make and and also you know so many people who want to grow things in pots outside in the winter time you know, they'll put it up underneath the uh, the eve of the house. Right. You know, it's got to get water somehow. Right. You know, right. so you got to remember to give it some water. You know, particularly if you've got a really hard freeze coming in, then, you know, get out there and water it the day before so that it's prepared for it. Now, what about putting like a light layer of mulch on top of the soil, uh, especially for a bigger container? Yeah, I mean, that's right. just for more for aesthetic reasons than anything. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times, if you've got a really big container, I want something evergreen in there during the winter right. time. So, you know, I just drop the pot in there, put bark around it, bark over the top, and then snatch it out in the spring. <laughs> <laughs> we're good to go. And then we're going to talk about the Miracle Hookera. That's the name of it. We'll be right back. The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Hello, good morning. You're listening to Mid-South Gardening. I'm Veda with Palladio Gardens and Home and Gardens in uh, Central. In Midtown. In Midtown, Own yeah. Central. Own Central in Midtown. Or... In Central on Midtown. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. That area. And I'm Kenneth at Dan West Garden Centers. And I'm Jim. See, hey, you know, Jim. I just love him, you know. Hey, and I'm Jim. Jim. Administrator of the Facebook page, which I'll need to check out. Definitely check out. You'll have a lot of fun on it. But it's been a lot of fun. This, let me tell you how weird this week has been, mm-hmm. okay, in my world. <laughs> of course, you know, you're selling pansies and violas, mm-hmm. ornamental cabbage, ornamental kale, you know, bales of rice straw, okay? Yeah. Rice straw. Yeah, yeah. rice straw. I thought Which, that's what he said. It's just a bale of white. It looks just like wheat straw. It's not as messy. Rice, R-I-C-E? Yeah, rice okay. straw. Okay, so 
you're, you're in your mind, you're kind of doing all these fall things, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Well, okay, you're you're also watering everything because it's bone mm-hmm. dry. It's ninety three degrees, and this is the kicker. And I'm fluffing artificial uh, Christmas trees, aren't you? And I'm in shorts and a t-shirt. Yeah, weird. That's and I'm been like, like Florida. Only in Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah. Are you fluffing trees? You know. And then I'm over looking at a pumpkin. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's all just one big season. You should put your tree up first. You hang your pumpkins on it. Then you hang your turkeys on it. And then you put your Christmas on but it. it. Is, oh, and then you do your Valentine's hearts. Uh, no doubt. <laughs> I've I'm seen telling you. It. I hate it, but yeah, I'm like, I mean, it, it was weird. I was just sitting there yesterday fluffing an artificial Christmas tree in shorts, in a T-shirt, burning up, beautiful fall color out there, and 93 summertime weather outside. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking only in Memphis. I mean, no wonder Mr. Paul used to call it the black hole of yeah, horticulture, right? honestly. Well, and then we can, we'll talk about this subject later because it's really not one to talk about now. But, you know, the evergreens that we can use as uh, Christmas trees that you can keep outside, put on your porch, you know, things like that. But, you know, we'll talk. We don't want to hear Christmas yet. Like Kenneth said, <clears throat> I'm trying to do fall over here and I'm supposed to be fluffing a Christmas tree. Well, we unloaded some pumpkins off the back of a truck <laughs> yesterday. And I got to reading last night, because a lot of times you'll see these pumpkins sitting on the porch, and they just start sinking in from the top. Oh, yeah. You know, and you're like, mm, that's not a good-looking pumpkin when it starts to rot on you, Jim. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how to keep your pumpkin, pump pumpkins, how to keep your pumpkins from rotting? And one thing that I read, it says you can submerge your pumpkins in a solution of one cup of vinegar or bleach with 10 cups of water for 8 to 10 hours. And I'm thinking, well, heck, wouldn't that rot it? But anyway, they're saying if you just submerge it or mm-hmm. at least wipe it down or spray it with a combination of bleach or vinegar what was and the water combination again well what, was the what they were saying they wanted you to submerge the whole pumpkin in a solution mm-hmm. of one cup of vinegar or bleach to 10 cups of water for eight oh, to ten okay. hours okay it's pretty diluted and what it's doing is killing all of the mold and bacteria that's on the pumpkin rind that actually aids mm-hmm. in the decaying process okay uh, and ideally, try to put it in the shade on the porch, not out there in sun, full sun. That just kind of heats everything up and speeds everything yeah. up when it comes to the rotting process. And try to keep it in a dry area. Rain on, you know, staying wet is not a good thing either. So in the shade, ideally dry mm-hmm. and submerging this thing for eight to ten hours in a vinegar or beach, uh, bleach and water solution. And then it says, rub it down, y'all, I promise you. It said, you can rub the pumpkin down. Once you clean the pumpkin, at the very least, you need to clean the dang thing. Get the dirt and all that stuff off of there. <laughs> you can rub it down with petroleum oil or petroleum jelly. And I'm thinking, hang on a minute. So all the bugs can stick in it? Maybe. <laughs> now, I'm talking about just a pumpkin that hadn't yeah. been carved, okay? Mm-hmm. And then lastly, Jim, I swear to you, they did, one of them said, you can lightly spray it down with WD-40. Now, I'm not saying do it. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying those are some of the things that people have done that they say will wow. help preserve a pumpkin and keep it fresher longer. Okay, so I know you're thinking something, Jim. <laughs> I'm thinking, what? Why? The show has really changed. No! <laughs> I just. I'm wondering, the only reason my pumpkin rots is because it's been damaged and it allows it to start doing all the things it does to come. A compost or because I carved it. So what if you don't damage it or carve it? It shouldn't. Well, not. 
Wind. I mean, you're right. I mean, you know, water and sun is what would cause these things to rot. And we see it all the time. And people hate it when they put a nice little pumpkin up there and the thing starts to rot. So I was thinking, okay, what can we do as a homeowner to keep these dang things from rotting on us? And they said, you know, keep it out of the sun, keep it dry, uh, wipe it down with some uh, a combination of bleach or vinegar and Mm -hmm. water to keep the fungus and the mold off of it. And they say the dang things will last you forever, you know? So if y'all decide to follow some of the weird advice that we throw out there, then call us and let us know what your outcome was. Yeah, but they because said, that's interesting, you know. But when they started talking about rubbing this thing down with a, a light coating, that's a better massage, uh, petroleum than I jelly, <laughs> and and then one guy said that even light springs of WD forty. I'm thinking. Hang on a minute. The views and opinions you've just heard may not necessarily <laughs> represent what I think. What I think. <laughs> but I thought okay. it was pretty cool all the different ways. But the main thing is to really, uh, when you do get a pumpkin, uh, try to t- try to clean it up first and go ahead and wipe it down, with, honestly, with the combination of vinegar or bleach and water. Get it good and clean, and you're getting all that mold and bacteria off of there, and it will help preserve the the length of the pumpkin before it starts to cave in on you. I thought that was pretty cool. That is interesting. Did you get that off the internet? Some of it, Jim. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Just everything you read on the internet is true. You know yeah, that. Right, I know right. that. <laughs> well, you know, I was thinking... This is something the Mid-South that we're getting to do together, and that's experiment with plants. And the way we're experimenting with plants is we're all updating each other with what's happened with the flash freeze. Oh, yeah. And so now here we are almost into fall seeing, you know, what's happened with the flash freeze. And right now what I see so many places, because finally people are pruning and cutting and trying to to, uh, clean up what's happened. But I see just these big tall trunks of hollies with little bitty leaves coming off the sides of them where companies have just taken so much time to prune out all the dead and i'm thinking <laughs> we're experimenting because that's is that even going to come back and look good i think I if mean, you have the patience you know but, but you better have the patience and that's right. the key most still, people don't i know well what patience this is looking like we're going on patience for a year for sure Maybe two years, maybe three before these, like the Robin Hollies, say, for instance. Or they didn't get hit, did they? The Robin Hollies. I would imagine they did. Or that one did. I think that's what I was thinking they were. The Robin Hollies, you know, there's just, they're big and lush and pretty. And now they're just sticks with little pieces growing off of them. I don't think that's going to come back. But that does mean there's still life. No, I mean, if you're seeing growth. Mm-hmm. Now, could they still decline on us? You know, even yeah, just, absolutely. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, the jury's still out. But a lot of the things that, and I get it, that early on that looked dead. You know, we were digging a lot of that stuff up, whether it was you know gardenias or whether it was osmanthus and photinas and camellias and on and on and on, even hollies to some extent. Uh, but the people that didn't dig them up. Uh, for whatever reason, um, you know, maybe they went out there and just cut them back some mm-hmm. for aesthetic reasons. A lot of those things did slowly start to come yeah, back out. Right now, there again, we'll see how far this goes. Uh, but uh, just because it looked dead back in January and February mm-hmm. doesn't mean it was completely dead. And the hollies that you're mentioning, and I've seen it also, where they're just some of them are just starting to flush out, even from the main trunk. Right, that's everything what, else sticking out uh-huh. is dead. We yeah. know that, but it comes down to whether 
I'm going to be patient enough mm-hmm. to really let these things come back and, and, you know, look good. I think it comes down more to whether or not it's going to produce enough carbohydrates to get it through this yeah. next winter. And then the re-sprout, kick up enough, have enough carbohydrates to generate bud formation next spring. So we'll know a lot more, Jim, next, yeah. next year, mm-hmm. next spring. A lot of these I don't think will make it. Um, That's what I'm but, thinking. But, you know, there's always something that defies. But you know how bad my oak oak leaf holly looked. And it's really nice now. I mean, it's gorgeous. I haven't, I should have done some tip trimming earlier, uh, but I've just let it go. And I'll do that tip trimming next spring and and flush it back out. But, I mean, it's, you know, from a distance, it's solid green and pyramidal. And and early on, it didn't have a leaf on it. Not a one. Is that the one Carol pruned? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. She yep. just has the touch. All right, do another break. Give us a call, 901-260-5926. Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Oh, I like that. She's bouncing in that chair again. I like that. Um, so uh, I found, you know, the quote that... Uh, and this, I didn't know Alexander Graham's the one that started it. When one door closes, another door opens. Mm-hmm. We say that all the time, try to make everybody feel better and all of that. But the rest of the quote, and I really like this. Okay, so one door closes, another opens. But we huh. often look so long and so regretfully upon the closed door that we don't see the ones which open for us. I'm glad they don't have the but part. Like you just no, said, but, but <laughs> there's always a but in there, but yeah, you're right. We always just uh, hear the first part of it, which sounds great. Yeah, yeah. But then you keep reading it and you're but, like, well, we keep looking at the closed door. I know, and we do. Have you ever thought about that? But anyway, that's your brain stretcher for the day. Oh, love it. You know, we were talking about all this damage that has occurred on these, especially the evergreen uh, trees and shrubs uh, from this flash freeze we had last winter before Christmas. And, of course, people have gone out there, and they've done one, two, or three things. They've dug a lot of things up and just got rid of it and replanted. They've gone in there and cut a lot of stuff back, you know, and then, uh, and of course, fed, uh, you know, everything to try to stimulate new growth. And I've seen all three stages. But my question uh, was, okay, you know, now that these plants have, the ones that have made it, and we've cleaned them up, we, you know, more or less cut all the dead tissue out of there, and we've been feeding them during the growing season to try to stimulate new growth. Because we want these things as, as hardy and healthy as we can possibly get them. Uh, I think this year in particular, Jim, and Vader, y'all let me know what you think, is making sure that you put a good fall feeding down this year. Uh, and I'm not saying go out there and use, you know, ammonium nitrate around your azaleas this late in the year. No straight urea? No, no straight <laughs> urea. But, you know, your tone products, uh, whether it's the plant tone, the milorganite, those kind of things, put a good uh, dose of that down in your beds uh, the soil will break it down, and of course, the plant will either use it as it needs it, or the roots will store it. Mm-hmm. But that energy will be there for next spring when they flush out. Right. Um, so, you know, to try to give them just as much of a boost as we possibly can. Uh, yeah, and we, we all know that um, we need all these microorganisms and beneficial bacteria and all that in the soil to create the soil web to create the whole. Um, way that a plant utilizes food. So also, 
no matter what type of fertilizer you're using, also work on putting your worm castings mm-hmm. and your compost and your microbes back into the soil so whatever fertilizer you use can work to the plant quicker. Well, and, and, it, and it, was, it was really, it was boxwoods in particular that I was really thinking about when I wrote that down because they, they took such a beating, um, you know, more than I think I've ever seen in my lifetime, to be honest with you, as far as winter damage and then volatile blight and everything on top of that. So, I mean, don't you think, Jim, that extra little stored energy, if we give them a little fertilizer this fall, will help them flush back out? in the spring even better yeah i think a a good a dose of fertilizer while the soil temperature is still warm if you're going to use an organic will obviously help the plant it's not going to stimulate new growth once we get some cool temperature right and that's not what we're looking for anyway right now i've been recommending that people wait a little closer to mid-october or november 1st to get a even a frost Mm -hmm. on them to uh, absolutely prevent any new growth from coming out because you know, I've worn shorts here on Christmas Day. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, you know, I, I like to see them set into dormancy, and hopefully we will get that cool temperature enough to set them into dormancy, you know, because that's where the, the last couple of freezes have really hurt us. We haven't had a whole lot of cold temperature before that super cold hit. Um, and you need that cold temperature, and that just signals the plants to start moving everything to the root system mm-hmm. so that there's no water in the plant that can freeze like it did this past year. It's so true. So, you know, it, it absolutely will will help. And uh, just, I would, like I say, I, I like to wait until we've, we're sure that they're dormant, and uh, and they will get some benefit from it. And, and it, like you say, you can use even a little uh, higher nitrogen, you know, on pansies and, and mm-hmm. things that you want some growth out of during the winter. Uh, continue to fertilize those. Uh, so, uh, I mean, I just think anything and everything we can do because to, of all the damage them. that we've yeah. seen. And I was thinking about boxwoods there again when I just jotted this down. Another thing is, the, you know, lime, which is not, you know, pH is always important. But pH is typically not a liver-die situation. No, but it can sure stress a plant mm-hmm. if it's out. No doubt about yeah. it. Uh, and so to where it eventually does die. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. where it's, it's never, longer. Where it's never going to just live up to its mm-hmm. ability. So, you know, um, you know, potentially putting a good heavy dose of plant tone or milorganite around these boxwoods, making sure the pH is up. If you need to put some lime around it, uh, you can do it at the same time also. And just hopefully, hopefully we can see a good flush of growth next spring. Um, in fact, I was talking to a lady just yesterday. She was showing me some pictures. And, you know, she had gone in there like everybody else and done a lot of trimming, a lot of cleaning up, a lot of cutting out of dead tissue on these boxwoods. And she said, I thought that, you know, she was getting new growth, but then all of a sudden she started seeing some little spots, Mm -hmm. well, actually uh, almost a whole side, start to go back backwards. And I'm thinking, man, this is still going on. Yeah, Volutella is still going on. And that I think that's going to be critical, too. We try to get all that stuff out of the crotches of the plants um, through the winter. Uh, I think that uh, get you get your blower, whatever you get, do. whatever you can to get it out of there. You know, you can run the mulch right up to the trunk, but make sure that you keep it out of the crotch and any any decomposing tissue because that's just that's just a breeding ground for volutella, and it's there anyway. I mean, you know, it, even under the best of conditions, but 
if you get a plant stressed, then that's when it really kicks in. Right, and because like you were saying, volatile blight, which is what we've seen on these boxwoods, uh, is a blight of opportunity. Right. Because like you said, Jim, the blight is always there. It's just when boxwoods, in this case, are so stressed that it really becomes a problem. And keeping the crotch of these boxwoods clean, and Betty, you talk about this all the time, even with the wet leaves and the azaleas, you know, <laughs> keeping those clean. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's pretty important. But Well, it was like when I was having the guys, when they would mulch, I would tell them to only mulch not all the way under the shrub, kind of on the outside of it, because I knew... And they were going to throw... Be, right, yes. you know, I knew it would still but get up closer to the trunk when I'm telling them to mulch farther out because it's stu- but it ne- but it didn't get crowded on the trunk and that's one thing because you w- watch them mulch and it's fast and yeah. they're just slinging it and chunking it yeah. and it's just getting all up into the crown of the uh, shrubs and then I know it's really hard to tell the people that are doing the maintenance to get on your hands mm-hmm. and knees crawl under there and get those off Get it, get it out. Yeah. 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 So I know you get kind of stuck in a where somebody's doing it for you and helping you out, but they're still not doing it all the way correctly. Yeah. So, but now what about, uh, guys, switching gears, guys, what about a replacement for cryptomeria? Because I've had, there again, mm-hmm. so many people, and I told you what happened to my neighbor that, you know, he yeah. just cut all of his down. So now I'm seeing a view that I've never seen before because. The cryptomeria used to be a, a natural screen there. I literally would go back with the same plant. You know, I mean, and that's what I'm thinking, mm-hmm. too, because, I mean, I love cryptomeria. It's one of the prettiest evergreen trees out there, in my opinion. But, you know, like I was telling this customer yesterday, I think people will replant cryptomeria to some extent. I just don't think they're going to plant 15 of them in a yeah. row like we saw on some property lines. Now, that I'd be a little mm-hmm. hesitant right. to do. But we've always said on the show, don't plant a whole row of any one thing because if something comes through, it's going to kill the whole row. Mm. Now, I know it looks good. Or worse, one right in the center. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that is what's going to happen. You're now, right. <laughs> but what if you did want to replace it? I mean, I know there's upright hollies i know there's uh you know the different arbovitas um you know and on and on but to me there's nothing out there Mm -hmm. that quite looks like cryptomeria other than now are people going to go back to leland cypress Uh -uh. you know and and why would they not jim because we still have ceridium canker running rampant but there's not as many leland cypress out there anymore that's right because Because of that because of the (laughs) ceridium canker right right so I mean, it's obviously you can tell that the Yoshino um, cryptomeria outlived the Leland Cypress. Oh, heck yeah, they did. Because Right. So let's just, we won't do Leland Cypress. You know, I I love cryptomeria. They're pretty, Mm -hmm. but they're not the fastest growing plant. No, they're not. Uh, And that's the issue. You know, if you've had some at your house for 35 years and, you know, they're up tall, uh, replanting them, you know, your grandchildren will get to see them. Yeah. So, you know, my preference probably is to go back with some of the hollies, like green leaf. If you want something really big, East Palatka, um, the latifolias we talked about last week, um, some of those, because they will get tall quick. You know, if you only need something 14, 15 feet tall, Nellie Stevens is just tough to beat. Yeah, you know? I have to agree with you. It's fast. It's thick enough that, you know, 
it would prevent deer from going through and that sort of thing. So. Well, but it also gives you that, that natural green barrier right. that you're looking yeah. for, something taller than a fence, a wooden fence. Mm-hmm. Because, and honestly, the, the, what insult on injury, when I'm sitting on my back patio now, and I'm looking over to my right to her, in her backyard that I never used mm-hmm. to see, my yard even tapers down. So the top of her fence oh, line right. is like... You know, like at my knees. Right, you know, right. like <laughs> Howdy neighbor. Yeah, hey. Hey. You know, that and that's so um hard to uh figure out how to plant, like really close or really far apart. We can mm. talk about that too. We've got David calling from California. Hang on after this break. I'll call us 901-260-5926. Welcome back, gardeners. We are here to help you with your gardening, and y'all help us sometimes, too. We'd love to hear your comments, love to hear what's going on in your garden. You can call us, 901-260-5926. You can post a question on... The Mighty 990 Facebook page, Mid-South Gardening, anytime you want. We had and David hang on just a second from California calling in. Ben Dieter, our KWAM News anchor, said, Good morning, guys. Show is sounding good. So, morning, Ben. Morning, Ben. Hey, good ben. morning to you, buddy. Are you still visiting Ben every week? No, I haven't been out in a while. Oh, okay. Yeah. He well, fired me, too. So. Yeah, so he hasn't got me coming out there either. He hasn't called you, no. Kenneth, nor you. His chance of getting Kenneth down there really <laughs> slim. <laughs> ben, we love you. we got to harass Y'all you now. On so, ben. so, Jim, who's going to go this week, me or you, since we harassed <laughs> you? <are>. Him? <laughs> we should go together. Okay, let's go to David. Let's go to California. Good morning, David. You're in the Mid-South Garden. Hey, morning, all. Good uh, morning. Yeah, I, I, um, I heard you talking companion gardening there, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I was kind of surprised. Uh, it's always a good idea to do companion gardening, but you really don't even want to plant in a single row? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, plant we in were... a single... You know, I know, planting in a single mm-hmm. row... It's how we've always gardened. Mm-hmm. And when we started doing these box gardens, square gardens, all of that, I was really disappointed because that's just not natural. You plant in a row, bottom line. But now as time's progressed, I'm liking these little box gardens. It's easier. You More people can garden. Yeah, I mean, and people, of course, typically plant in a straight line. Now, the line mm-hmm. can have curves in it, okay? But they're still <laughs> planting, you know, in a straight line. Mm-hmm. And, David, we were talking about one thing in particular is, you know, for example, if you've got a, a, a wide backyard here in the Mid-South area and you're planting, you know, a tree or a shrub out there, a lot of times we'll start at the left of the property and plant the same thing all the way down until we get to the end of the right side of the property. Oh, I was on the wrong topic. We're talking about trees and shrubs, and I'm talking about vegetables. Well, both, but I mean, but (laughs) in in, like we're saying, if something comes through and affects whatever you've got planted back there, then you have a chance of losing everything Mm -hmm. that's back there. So I, like you, David... I like to see groups of plantings of different things going from the left to the right, not just the same plant all the way through. Sure. Hey, well, you know, it's funny you mention that because uh, this woman I knew had a, a real nice planter box, but it was on wheels, you mm-hmm. know, casters, and her front driveway was, 
you know, like one of those flat ones that comes straight off the street, goes mm-hmm. back, and it's double wide. Right. And she would wheel her tomatoes around to catch the sun, according, you know, early mm-hmm. dawn, you know, she'd do it one way. <laughs> and you could imagine, uh, you know, you could, like, have five or ten planter boxes on wheels, mm-hmm. and, you know, you could kind of play a game of checkers all day long. You really could. Yeah. And I know a lot of people here in Memphis that do that on a mm-hmm. smaller scale. They're not on wheels, but they're in small enough pots where they actually move the yeah, pots around, that's what David. what I do on my patio. So you're yeah. talking about a gardener that wants something. Those are the ones, because they don't naturally get enough sh- uh, sun in one area. So they're moving these pots around during the day. They're just following the sun's all they're doing. Yeah, she had a big old hedge on one side, and then... Uh, yeah, and then she had it open on the other side, but so she'd never catch the morning sun, but her tomatoes would. And uh, uh, let's see, I'm trying to think of, oh, the other thing I was going to raise. Um, you know this government shutdown? Mm-hmm. Well, the, the last time they did one of those, uh, there was a lot of midnight dumping of hazardous waste. Not good. Yeah, big polluters. Boy, they love a government shutdown because <laughs> there's no inspectors. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I'm just, you know, the... The audience, uh, keep your eyes open. Uh, you know, you don't want to find out that your land has already, you know, become a love canal or something. I've never, you know, I never ever thought of that, but you're right. I mean, you know, if there's evil to be done, they're going to find a way to do it. And especially if you don't have, you now, know. are you talking about the government or when they're working or not working? Well, exactly. <laughs> I'm a little confused here. Because it can happen both ways. Yeah, but you don't want the uh, you know the fox guarding the hen house. I hear where you're coming from, Dave. Uh, well, you know, there's different things. I mean, like the same thing happened with the bank examiners. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a lot of bank fraud when there was uh, the government was shut down. There were like say like somebody's building a highway. If they uh, the contractor doesn't have somebody in there with a ruler every day to make sure that they really pay, you know, dropped in a foot and a quarter of Right. And they shaved it off by two inches, they right. could make millions of dollars. Right. And the taxpayer would have a more faulty road. So, you know, the government inspectors, not everybody's a crook. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like, uh, does, does the water company uh, really want to have clean water? Does the sewage uh, plant really want to clean it up? Right. And, uh, and if they start playing with the budgets, then all of a sudden everybody's lives are put at risk. You know, uh, that is so true, and I've never look, really kind of looked at it that way because, there again, you've got to have people out there watching over these other people that have bad deeds in mind, David. Sure. No, I heard that thing about the highway. You Just the thickness of the concrete, they could shave an, an eighth of an inch off and make a million dollars. Uh, oh, right. Know. No yeah. kidding. And I That's think, what's David, happening. And I, I think know. somebody might be listening mm-hmm. going, hmm, that is an idea. <laughs> right, that too. Thanks well, for the idea. <laughs> If you think about the taxes, are a big old pot of money that we, the people, get to spend on ourselves. Right. We get to buy ourselves something good. So we can buy ourselves a county hospital. We can buy ourselves a university. We right. can buy ourselves uh, good schools and parks and uh, right. freshwater systems and all these other things. Right. And the scammers, on the other hand, and this goes all the way back to the old kings. You know, he what was at uh, Robin Hood. He was fighting the... Uh, uh, was it the um, sheriff of Nottingham? Yes. Just a dirty, 
cop that was stealing from everybody. He'd send out his troopers by night to just grab stuff and haul it home. And unfortunately, there's always going to be people like that out there, you know? So yeah, that's why you get layers of protection. It's funny, I was listening to a Texas show the, not too long ago. You remember they've had terrible weather down there, like yeah. freezes and <laughs> heat spells and all this stuff. So under normal circumstances, electricity is at a real premium down there, like the air conditioning mm-hmm. bills of people this last summer, up to 1000 bucks a month. Mm. And, uh, you know, if it was 109 for 60 days straight, uh, they're... They're paying crazy money. Now, they made a law in Texas that they can't buy electricity from any other state. They can't buy it from Oklahoma. They can't buy electricity from Louisiana or New Mm. Mexico. Well, back to, well, you know, this is a good reason to start planting trees. I mean, that's another thing we're going to have to do. Yeah, but that's some crazy stuff going on, I'm telling you. I mean, it always, you know, there's always people out there that have crazy ideas, no doubt about it. All right. Well, thanks for the call, David. David, we love you, buddy. We appreciate you getting up. We know it's early in California. But David was talking about companion planting also. See, I always think that is a good idea. Mm -hmm. Instead of having just, and I say this because I'm guilty of this also. Instead of having just that (laughs) same. Underline exclamation point. I know, Jim, but instead (laughs) of just having that same plant go all the way down. Mm -hmm. um, Now, if I'm doing like a holly, I'm going to have the same plant going all the way down. I don't care. Uh Because that's what I want back there. But if I'm doing individual upright plantings, Mm -hmm. then I'm going to have different things going on instead of just having the same thing one after the other. I know. And then I was thinking even deeper into it. So like, uh, because the one in the middle dies, as Jim's saying, which is true. So first I was saying, oh, we'll plant like four pine trees together and then do four arborvitas and then do four viburnums or something. Three or five. Right. Yeah. And I'm on the Odd four. numbers there, Miss Beta. Right. So, but then you've got this almost the same situation where those four would die in the middle and you would still have a big blank space. So you need to even bring it down a little more into little micro environments. Along the back fence. But but ultimately, it comes down exactly. to a matter of preference. I mean, people yeah. are going to do what they like, and I, know, and I have no problem like, with that. And I'm that. saying, I know we want to <clears throat> do what we like, but sometimes we have to think of think a little bit farther past what we like with the balancing and making garden easier as we go down the road. Yeah, I'm going to do things I like, too. But really, a lot of us are thinking in the garden industry or gardeners of more into how can I add more into the environment instead of making it just a single monoculture yard. <laughs> so a lot of people are thinking more like that. And then when you when you realize other reasons to do things, then you start liking I'm that all, type of And look. I'm all for it except when you start messing with the grass. You know, a lot of people say, well, I don't want grass. I just want wildflowers mm-hmm. out there. Where in my mind, I'm saying you just want weeds out there that yeah. bloom. Okay. No. We can't go for that, Mr. Jim and Miss Veda. We can go for shrubs and trees and have a, a, a lot of different variations of those, okay? But when somebody says, I want wildflowers as my yard, that's where we got to draw the line. I was looking at um, In my some, opinion. Oh, um, you're just so trying prejudiced. to get me to say. <laughs> right. You're just trying to get me to say. But, you know, the, I, I, when you talk about lawns, and I think about golf courses and all the lawn they have too, but I was looking at old videos or old shows about 
when way back when there was the golfing just started and there wasn't pristine plush lawns, you know, to play golf on. And was it a, a marketing thing? Yeah, golf. Was yeah. it a marketing thing to get the plush green grass? I mean, I know it probably makes the ball run smoother or or anything, but why do we have huge acreage of beautiful grass that we spend a lot of time and money on to fix. What was the reason that we did that, I wonder? Well, but if you ever, during the Masters, I mean, or any of these, you know, a lot of these major events Mm -hmm. in golf, I mean, if you look on TV, and I always think of Augusta, how beautiful it is. Well, because also these pro golfers are, they want, you know, this nice, beautiful, even grass every time they hit a golf ball. Oh, so they want know? to make it easier on them. Less <coughs> challenging. Less challenging if you've got a per- perfect course. I mean, it's like, you know, playing tennis with a, a warped tennis ball. You don't want that. Yeah. Or a warped, you know, a racket. No, mm-hmm. they want it to be pristine out there and the grass to be perfect and the greens to be perfect. And, you know, also I like it, too, because it's absolutely beautiful. All right, Jim, take us out. What do you think about that, Jim? Beautiful golf courses. Well, you know, when I look in my garden, what I think of is beautiful or flowers. Mm. Turf is a necessary evil. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. We had we had turf at my house because my wife said we were going to. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and that's yeah. like Jim because if he didn't. If he didn't have to have one square foot of yard, there would not, he wouldn't of yeah. grass. Like flowers. Okay, we're going to go to a break, y'all. Give us a call, yeah. 901-260-5926. <laughs> Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Give us a call, 901-260-5926. You don't have to be on air. You can give our guy a question if you want, and uh, you can uh, post a question on our Facebook Live. Yeah, the uh, Mid-South Gardening uh, on the Mighty 990 Facebook page. If you can't wake up enough to even do any of that, you can listen to our podcast, or you can actually post the question on um, the Facebook page that Jim's administrator of. Mid-South Gardening, gardening in USDA Zone 6, 7, and 8. Yeah. yeah so what, I guess everybody's perfect gardeners this year, because we, this week, because I'm not getting any good questions. Well, we had we had a bunch, <laughs> you know. In fact, we had a, a rather large discussion this week about um, grass in the shade, because um, it is the time, if you're wanting to attempt to grow fescue, now is the time to get it started. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and... I wrote a, a rather length, lengthy reply to one person. They they had put several pictures in there, and they and they specifically tagged me. They wanted my input, which <laughs> feel free to do. You can you know I don't answer them all, but if you want me to put my two cents worth in, you'll get your money's worth. Yeah, um, yeah. So, but anyway, he was <clears throat> questioning whether or not he should even try. He's tried to plant fescue several times and failed. Uh, he's told that zoysia would grow in there and. You know, I told him it wouldn't. Uh, because you're right. Zoysia, Lana, we see that so many times. People putting zoysia in a shaded environment because they heard it grows in the shade. Well, it, it can tolerate less sun than Bermuda, but that doesn't mean it's shade Deep tolerant. Shade. It's got to yeah. have at least yeah. three or four hours of good sun to really perform well. Yeah. And so what I told him, I said, what's the most important thing in the pictures that you post is what you don't see. 
Right. And that's what's underground. About 70% of those trees are underground. Uh, and the roots are in the top six inches of soil, most of them. They're um, huge. You know, a, a full-grown oak tree is going to suck 400 gallons of water a day out of that soil in mm-hmm. the heat of the summer. And there's so many feeder roots. You know, we, we talk about on a full-grown oak tree, there's like 625,000 miles of feeder roots amazing. on one tree. You think about it. You know, that circles the earth 25 times. You know, and that's what you're not seeing, and that's the competition that grass is going to face. Um, and, you know, the tree is the dominant organism. Everything mm-hmm. else will fail so that it survives. Mm-hmm. So, true. you know, what, my advice to him was let it become what it wants to be, a shade garden. Just let, let, mm-hmm. it, let it do that. You make some pathways through there. Uh, one of our members has some ex- just absolutely gorgeous moth, moss pathways. Mm-hmm. They are difficult to create, though, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, in most cases, I would say, you know, unless you're getting, I'm going to say five hours of full sun, I wouldn't try a turf grass at all. I just wouldn't. You know, fescue grows in the sun. It's a sun grass. It's not a shade mm-hmm. grass. It's just dormant when everything else is growing, you know. And when soil temperature goes up to 70, it just stops growing in the shade. And, you know, if you mow it, you'll kill it. If you fertilize it in the <laughs> summer, you'll kill it. Uh, you know, but, and if you don't water it, you'll kill it. So, yeah. you know. But, in the but, summer times when you're not wanting to have to do all that. Yeah, extra. and everybody wants to mow in the shade, you know. Yeah. When you've got a lawn that's, you know, got Bermuda out here in the sun and shade, you know, you spend more time in the shade. Yeah, right. <laughs> and yeah. it doesn't need to be mowed. But you're right, though. But if you are going to sow fescue, I mean, now is the time to now start doing it. Fall do it. is the best time because you want to get it in there as soon as you can, get it up and growing for those leaves really start coming down because you got to try to keep the leaves off of it also. And you're right, Jim. Uh, you know, it's a cool season grass. It looks great in the fall, the winter, and the spring. But come summertime, when it starts to get hot, you've got to keep that fescue watered. I'm telling you. And I don't care what you do. You're always going to lose some fescue in the summertime. You Absolutely. can't help that. So it's something you need to overseed every year. But it will grow in the shade, in more shade, where Bermuda and Zoysia won't grow. But just know on the front end, it's more maintenance. You're going to have yeah. to be out there really taking care of this fescue, overseeding every year, keeping it watered. But I do like the look. Of course, I'm a grass guy, yeah, right? right? I do like the look. You're um, a golfer, too. Yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> and, Jim, I just like the look of that fescue up under these shade trees where Bermuda and zoysia won't grow. But I'm telling you, people try to grow zoysia a lot of times in just too much shade. It looks great for the first year, maybe two years, but and after that, it just starts. Third year, it is fading away. That's exactly right. It makes so. me think of when you move into a, bear, a a new development and couple number of blocks <clears throat> of just a house, maybe a small tree and the five shrubs, and then bunches of lawns. You've mm. just got blocks and blocks of just lawns, lawns. But you're not hearing the crickets, seeing the birds, seeing the uh, dragonflies. You're not seeing the lightning bugs. You're not hearing the frogs. It's just sterile, just Mm. sterile. It's up to us to put some life back into the garden. And the less lawn, the more life you put. However, I do love, I mean, what would we use I mean, like pasture grass is pretty. Pastures are pretty when they're cut down low. Pastures are pretty when you let the wildflowers grow. But what do we use? I mean, remember when there was the time that we're doing buffalo grass lawns because it's not as hard on the, 
I mean, what uh-uh. do we even use as a replacement They just, they lawn? don't make a, buffalo yeah. grass just doesn't make a it, nice turf. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't work at all. So I love the lawn look. I agree. I feel like we need patches of grass and all of that. But what would be my native replacement? I uh, see. You it's know? not going to happen. I mean, there's Bermuda. But to make Bermuda look like a good lawn, you do more mowing and and fertilizing and, and watering. And so, of course. You know, I know. What <clears throat> is there? So really the only thing there is to do is just reduce. Is do like like Jim did on his old house. Yeah. Take every piece of grass you have mm-hmm. out and replace it with a bed, mm-hmm. you know, which is basically yeah. what he did in walkways and beautiful koi ponds and you know, I know. Well, See, you we, know, and I was talking to my son last night. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going one of the beds that I built to, uh, outside on the outside of the backyard. Uh, he's going to take out, and we're going to put grass back in there uh, because oh, he's he's, he's, he, yeah. uh, he's not a gardener. So, you know, and I I told him I'd get it resodded and everything. But it when I when I put the pathway in, I used royal zoysia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was beautiful. Came in, it was mowed about, you know, a half inch tall and just, it was spectacular. But I let it get taller. And he said, he said, it's pretty, but gosh, it's hard to mow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that <laughs> royal zoysia is that fine bladed zoysia. Yeah. yeah. Um, it looks a lot like Bermuda. Uh, yeah, it does. Yeah. But it is. Uh, Forgot about that. Yeah. So and you, you had luck with it. You liked it. It did great. And, right. and it's tough. Interesting. All right, y'all, we got another hour to go. We've had fun with you so far. Lots of great topics coming up, and we will be right back. The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. We want to thank our sponsor, longtime friend of this show, Palladio Home and Garden, oh, yeah. for supporting us. And we also like to thank some of our um, friends who have joined us with advertising on the program, which we thank so much. Uh, Herbis Systems, which we'll be talking about shortly, and, and we have a new one here, Patriot Mobile. Yeah, for 10 years, Patriot Mobile has been America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. And while there's really no competition, honestly... Glenn and the team, they have been great friends of KWAM, and we are so glad to partner with them. We are. Patriot Mobile offers dependable nationwide coverage, which mm-hmm. is so important, yep. giving you the ability to access all three major networks, which means you get the same awesome coverage without giving your money to the big corporation mm-hmm. who doesn't share your beliefs. That's right, Ms. Faden. And also, when you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're sending the message that you support free speech, religious freedom, the sanctity of life, Second Amendment, and our military, veterans, and first responder heroes. Switching to Patriot Mobile is easy. Keep, keep your number. Keep mm-hmm. your phone. <laughs> Definitely keep my number. I need that. Or get an upgrade. They sell phones, too. The team will help you find the best plan for your needs, and their 100% U.S.-based customer service team is there every, they're there every step of the way. Yeah, and this is Patriot Mobile we're talking about. Just go to patriotmobile.com slash Todd, T-O-D-D, or call 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation today with the offer code Todd. Join the KWM radio family and make the switch today. Patriotmobile.com slash Todd or call 972 972- Patriot. That's patriotmobile.com slash Todd or call, like I said, 972-PATRIOT for Patriot Mobile. 
Okay, Jim. Yes. The lantern fly. Yeah. <clears throat> it sounds like a pretty. It is it's a it's a beautiful, beautiful little bug. It really is. I was just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but he is pretty. Yeah, you, you need to. She. I'm going to ask everybody to go online and familiarize yourself with it. And if you see one, take a picture of it immediately, and then kill it. Oh, okay. And then, yeah. And well, then go to. online. There's a form from the University of Tennessee to fill out where it was, and then the all the experts will come. You know, basically search the whole area around where you found it uh, in an effort to prevent this thing from spreading any further. Of course, you know, it, it's going to happen, but we're going to try to slow it down. So it seems like everything that Nashville gets, eventually we get, right? Yeah, they found one uh, the other side of Nashville in Davidson County uh, near Percy Priest Lake. Uh, somebody who that was familiar with it happened to see one. Uh, they didn't find any egg masses near it. They didn't find any other ones, but... It's got to have other stuff, right? Well, you know, it, it chances are it rode in on something. Oh, right. Uh, in, uh, in somebody's car, because there's, <laughs> it's still primarily ma- uh, up in the Pennsylvania area uh, in several in 15 states or so right around it. But we are the 16th state now that it's been found in. But they're just like a couple of counties in North Carolina where it was found. So obviously it traveled on something, a truck, mm-hmm. or an egg mass was laid on something and it moved and then hatched. But how can a moth cause any damage whatsoever? Well, this is the issue. They, um, the, little, the little larva, you know, tunnel into wood. They love the alianthus, the tree of heaven, which is a weed tree. Uh, and we're really kind of encouraging if you have one... Consider taking it out because tree of heaven. They will, they will get on this tree by the really hundreds of thousands. Um, it, it's scary, uh, and but the the main issue is that if they can't find an alianthus, they start moving into other trees, uh, particularly vineyards um, and mm. orchards. They love fruit and they love grapes, okay. and then they also hardwood industry. They will. They can do severe damage to those trees, and, and it's difficult to treat. You mean you like know, a hickory or an oak and those other hardwoods? Yes. Yeah. But, they're, but so their larva is not really a boar. But yeah, it, it is. It is. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's yeah. like a boar. Uh, so you know, if um, if you find one, like I say, take a picture of it, kill it, uh, and then contact. If you nothing else, contact me, and I'll get the right people to you. Uh, so. And this is the spotter, spotted, spotted lantern, lantern fly. fly. It's, so, and it's potentially, you know, like I was talking to Leslie this week, and she said, you know, what if this thing gets to Napa Valley? Think of the damage that it could do to the grape industry and the wine industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, we want to make every effort to prevent that from happening. Um, now, Jim, then, is it mostly just in the in the north? East part of the United States. Yes, it, it, it was first found in Pennsylvania in I think 2014, uh, and then it's been spreading ever since. And like I say, it's now 16 states that it's been found in. But it's you know it's it's everywhere in Pennsylvania, uh, and then you know it has moved out from there. So it lays it likes <laughs> to lay the egg masses on alianthus or on anything flat. Um, so you know you want to check your campers, you want to check anything that you know, and look from and and you can look up pictures of these things on the internet so you know what they look like. And you know, as a gardener, please be vigilant. The other thing that we've found uh, now in Shelby County is uh, laurel wilt. 
Laurel Wilt is carried by the Red Bay Ambrosia Beetle. Uh, now, we don't have Red Bays here. They don't grow this far north, but we have a related species, the Sassafras. So if you have a sassafras tree and it suddenly wilts and dies, it's likely been infected with laurel wilt. And I think Which the rec- is caused by the, an ambrosia it's beetle. It's a fungus that, yeah. that they bring with them that ends up killing the tree. So you know, I think they're recommending that the trees be removed and, and burnt or chopped up, chipped or something, so that it doesn't get back um, crazy. In, into the landscape business. Well, and I told you, you know, even this year with uh, my crate myrtle, I had one uh, trunk of the crate myrtle that was dead, okay, after the flash freeze we had last winter. And before I had a chance to cut that thing out of there, Jim, I had frass coming out all over this mm-hmm. dead trunk of my crate myrtle, and it was from ambrosia beetles. Now, not the same one you're talking about. Yeah. But I've seen the damage, and of course, it might have been the beetles that did it. It mm-hmm. killed that trunk. I don't know. So, so um, we're worried mm-hmm. about the lantern fly <clears throat> getting to Napa Valley and <clears throat> ruining our wine. Or, or, what I about mean, that thing in Shelby County? Yeah, yeah. or any, anywhere. Um, they love the tree of heaven. So, what if we planted tree of heavens around our. Uh, crops and then they just well one thing that they're doing in some areas where they're finding significant numbers is they go in and they remove Mm -hmm. all but one Mm -hmm. tree of heaven they treat it with a metacloprid okay and then as they come to it they're it's like a bait tree and it kills them and and they die good uh so you know and and they'll probably do that if it's found extensively you know Mm -hmm. in the state so I think that's, I mean, of course, we have to be discerning on, on what things do, but that was one of the things about planting things that are more native is the insects will eat on that, but not destroy it instead of um, eating on other crops and stuff. But in this case, you can't leave 500 tree of heaven out, and that is such... That's, I'm so glad to hear that they're trying other ways, too. The, what you call the bait tree? Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. the bait tree. Now, are then, there more tree of heavens down in, like, Mississippi than there are here in it, Tennessee? It, or Midtown, they're hev- there's heavy infestation. I mean, practically every crack on the sidewalk's got one coming up. So here in the there, Mid-South, we've got our fair share one. here. There's some real big ones downtown, um, and there's some, uh, there was uh, some not far from um, the nursery on Dan, Dan West. On 64. On, you know, it was down, what is it, 209 or whatever it is. No, three, Call, 385, Collier, whatever. Collierville, yeah, okay. Arlington. Are they out there also in just natural woodlands? They are. Uh-huh. And some people have seen them, like them, and then move them, plant them, mm-hmm. because the, they are rather attractive yeah, when they're they in are. bloom. Um, they but they are, um, they're, they, every seed comes up, everyone. <laughs> so, and see, the, la- the other thing that's really difficult <laughs> is the lanternfly the spotted lanternfly is so pretty it that is. they're making even earrings yep. to look like Encasing it. Encasing them in, in that whatever that right, like plastic a, stuff, stuff is, acrylic. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. They make really pretty oh. necklaces. Yeah, so. You know, and I keep thinking, and I know the shoe's going to drop one of these days when, when they're going to say, watch out for scorpions. I'm telling you. Yeah, we, have, mean, three, we have three here, in, three species here in, in Tennessee. <laughs> uh. <laughs> well, we're getting alligators in the Wolf River. Yep. <sighs> no, we just have to learn to. See, and most people have never seen a scorpion in Tennessee. 
I, I have to agree with that. Yeah, but we have we have three. I haven't. I've seen them in Texas running across the floor while I was watching TV. First experience, <laughs> sat there and decided, what do I do? And right now, I know what I do. Go to a break. Give us a call. 901-260-5926. Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Glad we can be with you today. Give us a call, 901-260-5926. Give us something to talk about. I mean, we don't have any problem coming up with something to talk about, but is there something out there you're going, I Hmm. hope they talk about it? Well, one thing to talk about is, you know how forever in a day we were trying to grow ficus trees, you know, the little small leaf ficus. Mm -hmm. Well, no, now they've got the fiddle leaf and and the Audrey ficus, which I think both of those are absolutely beautiful, maybe because it's just something different than the ficus benjamina, Mm -hmm. right? Well, but the thing with the ficus tree from years ago, the small-leafed Benjamin ficus, mm-hmm. is, man, if you looked at that thing wrong, or if you moved it, it wanted to drop every leaf it had, right? Mm-hmm. Well, another plant, which I didn't realize will do that, not if you look at it wrong, but if you move it, is the dang croton. Well, yeah, but almost all plants will do that. If you change their light, they're trying to fix what you did to it. You know, it... They have those those leaves. The top leaves have a thicker cuticle layer than the ones in the inside. Mm. But if you move that anyway, and, and ficus are really bad about it, then it changes the amount of light, and it mm. senses that. And so it wants to shed those leaves and put on new sets. Isn't that amazing, yeah, really? But when you've got mm-hmm. it in your house, you won't get all those <clears throat> leaves coming to the inside like it had. So you just get them on the outside. Right. So it looks like that you've really hurt the tree. <clears throat> but all it's doing is adapting, <clears throat> which it would have done over time. Uh, to the to new environment that you put it in. Now, what about mm-hmm. if you go in there? But it was in particular they were saying crotons because a lot of people have crotons for fall color. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and they say, man, they just are not a proponent of being moved. Like Jim like was saying, moved, and they don't like cool temperatures mm-hmm. and drafts. Right. They will, you know, you like you say, look at them wrong, and they will just go naked on you. <laughs> they're they're. <laughs> I thought that was looking on them right. I mean, let's go to the crotons. I mean, I've always just had them outside. We used outside, full sun, full sun. But when we would use them inside for fall displays, we would lose a lot of the inner leaves because there was no full sun. Like so Jim, they had, yeah. yeah. So then that makes them open to be able to get more light. It gives a different look. But And then if you got them dry inside, then forget about it. They're just going to throw all their leaves off. But but I also like the idea that if you eventually have your houseplant set up, and some, sometimes you have them in the house year-round. Some people take the houseplants out in the spring and bring them back in, you know, in the fall before it gets cold. But you also, from time to time, I think, want to turn your houseplants, especially if it's a houseplant that's getting a lot of light. Totally. So, yeah. you know... I guess even if if they do drop some leaves because you did turn it 180 degrees, that's perfectly fine yeah. mm-hmm. because you're still better off turning that thing than not turning it, right? Right. Mm-hmm. But isn't it amazing, like you just said, Jim, that no really houseplant, all houseplants have the ability to drop leaves if you move it from one spot to another. Yeah, or a lot of plants like even uh, what we used to call philodendron sloam or split-leaf philodendron, which is now tubidin- um <laughs> I've forgotten, you know, whatever it is. Uh, but anyway, 
it doesn't drop its leaves, but the next set of leaves comes out and it'll be slightly contorted. Yeah. That is so yeah. true. Okay. And then the next set will come on and they'll be a little bit better. And by the time you get the third set of leaves, they're all good and healthy and look just normal. That is mm-hmm. so true. Yeah. And that's, they're going through the same process, getting used to what you did to it. Yeah. So. They're acclimated. That's why I'm trying to wait to the absolute last second before we bring our house plants in from the pavilion and outside. Because as time progresses right now, the light is less outside. You know, it's just starting to slow down even outside, which means when I bring them inside, they've already slightly started acclimating and every little bit of anything will help. Because if I'm going to take them right now from outside and bring them inside, they're definitely going to lose their leaves. And, you know, here's a question. It's just totally opposite of anything. If a place is more humid, do you think you can water less on houseplants? I'm asking because when we moved buildings, it's a whole different environment in this mm-hmm. building versus the other building. Our light seems to be the same. The difference is it's more humid in this building. But it seems like our plants aren't drying out deep enough, far enough. And I'm wondering if the higher humidity holds the moisture in the soil longer. I think the more moisture that would be a true statement. Yeah, yeah. the more moisture you have in the soil, the less evaporation you're going to have. Yeah, but it's not a it's not a uh, you know a substitute for watering. Though the more air movement you get and lower the humidity, the more drying through the Mm -hmm. foliage will happen. Right. Um, So if it's you know 100 percent humidity. You're going to lose very little moisture through the through the soil. But that's a great question because, yeah. like you said, y'all just moved from one building to another, mm-hmm. uh, and same light yeah. that you had before. But the the moisture or the way that you watered them has to change right. a little bit, right? Because I'm seeing more issues from <coughs> wet soil, not fungal issues in the roots, not rotting and all. But the plant, some of the new foliage is coming out, or some of the old foliage becomes limp. It's not killing the whole plant. It's just making it go backwards a little bit. And I'm thinking, we haven't really changed our practices. We have the same people watering, you know, doing the same thing. And I started thinking, possibly higher humidity. It's a a number of percentages up higher humidity. Well, and everybody and their mother, you know, one of the faults that we all are guilty of is when we bring houseplants in the house or or houseplants in general is we tend to overwater, which is, the you know, just as bad as underwatering. And, you know, some plants can take a little bit more moisture than others. And so you got to really know your houseplants. But just a general rule of thumb, if you're going out there watering your houseplants just once a week, Okay, and there are people that go out there and they'll go in there and try to water these houseplants on a daily basis, mm-hmm. which is a death nail waiting to happen. But, you know, typically people get on a schedule and whether it's every week or every 10 days, uh, you can almost get away with yeah. that. But I would always say keep your houseplants, uh, houseplants slightly on the dry side and grossly on the wet side. Yeah, you know, a vast <clears throat> majority of, of my houseplants are succulents and cacti and that sort of thing. And... Right now, it is so hot. They're being watered every day. Yeah. Okay. Are they, they outside, will, Jim? They mm-hmm. are outside yeah. in full sun. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> but within 30 days or so, they're going into a, a shed that's got artificial light. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of those won't be watered all winter. That is crazy. You yeah. Know? yeah. Some, 
uh, the vast majority, maybe two or three times, yeah, but they'll just sit there until I decide to move them out next spring. Well, what about houseplants in general? You know, you mentioned philodendrons. Let's mm-hmm. say, you know, philodendrons and crotons, uh, you know, and spathophyllums and mother-in-law's tongues, and those just typical run-of-the-mill type houseplants. They're going to be inside if they're not already inside. Uh, and, it, you know, with the shortening of the days, you don't have the aggressive growth, of course, on houseplants that you have during the growing season. But when it comes to, and of course, you you know, you're running the heat typically as it cools off. So you still have to water. Now, would you basically stay on that same watering schedule for those type of plants that you've always been on once a week or every 10 days? No. Explain. Well, <clears throat> okay. All plants need go through some period of dormancy, okay? Even in the tropics, they'll have periods of dormancy. So they get used to that. When you turn on your heat, okay, you're going to have, as long, as long as it's not sitting in front of the vent. I got you, okay, right. Which they shouldn't be anyway. Right. Uh, <coughs> you're going to typically have cooler temperatures than you would during the summertime. Mm-hmm. Unless you, you know, some people like to keep their house, you know, 78 degrees, you know. We keep ours down around 64, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's often, you know, right now, 72. Yeah, so that's so going to slow the metabolism of that gonna, plant. They're actually going to be in cooler temperatures, you know. Uh, they're not going to get, they're not going to have the air movement that they did with the air conditioner. So they're going to actually dry slower. Gotcha. Um, Makes sense. It does. Yeah, that does. But see, that's some things to consider is that humidity level can be a whole different thing. Okay, you were talking about the succulents, and you're not going to water them all winter. Yeah. So I was thinking about when we were just learning or trying to grow succulents indoors, and what would happen is they would be so dry, and then we would soak them, and then they would be automatically overwatered, turn mushy, and lose their leaves. And And so it's like, how dry is dry? They're so dry, but we watered them. And they dropped their leaves, and mm-hmm. they just were overwatered. So then I went to so dry, and then I just gave them like a drip of water. And I seemed to be having more success, but how well, dry is well, dry? Was it, was it because they got too wet because you when soaked them, or did them, they yeah. get just way too dry before they See, got that watered? that was that too. What, 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 do I, what do you think? Well, okay, when I look at a succulent during the wintertime to see – if it's plump, it's not going to get any water. Mm-hmm. If it's starting to show some wrinkles, mm-hmm. then that tells me it needs water. Okay. Okay. Uh, and I give it just enough to soak the soil through mm-hmm. until it comes into the saucer and then pour out any that it, if it's touching the bottom of the pots because I don't want it to wick that water yeah, back up in. Right. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty dry. Yeah. Just starts getting a little wrinkle. And then you'll start learning it's. It's schedule. System. It's schedule. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Because I'm really wanting to, to do that more. I'm really wanting to work on the succulents. Of course, I, I've got them under a lot of light. Mm-hmm. But you, and you better keep that. them on the dry side also. I hear and, what you're saying. I mean, dry like like a month, like you said. <laughs> All right, y'all, just hang on. we got some more. We've got Paul calling from Bartlett. We'll be right back. I finally thought of it. Yeah, say it. 
All right, what used to be Philodendron Salome, or the actually true name was Philodendron Bipenidifidum. That hurts my ears. It is now Talmatophilum Bipenidifidum. Well, let's talk, about let's talk about something more exciting. And let's that, talk about herbicides. systems. Yeah, so with some course. words we can use. And that's herbicides. systems. And so if you live in Arlington, if you live in Atoka, Bartlett, Collierville, Germantown, Lakeland, Millington, Mumford, Oakland, or Somerville, it's not just the Memphis proper that these guys take care of these yards. All these areas that I just mentioned, they are glad to come out there and take care of your problems in your lawn. What kind of lawn or insect problems are you having? Fire ants, maybe? Weeds? Brown spots? Bare spots? Yeah, or let me kill your weed, guys. The Herbis system can solve all these problems. They've been making our Mid-South landscapes beautiful for over 39 years. Herbis system's locally owned mm-hmm. and has a team that maintains over 11,000 customer properties. That is crazy. 11,000 happy customers that they maintain. They maintain your trees and shrubs, too. Remember, they're not just the experts of lawns. They are also the experts of trees and shrubs. Maintaining your lawn can be a complicated process. We all know that. Whether you're dealing with insects or need to aerate your lawn, Herbie Systems has your back. The best lawn care program in Memphis, Let Me Kill Your Weeds, has never sounded so good. So if you need a free quote this week, tell them you heard about the Herbie Systems on the Garden Show or just say KWAM. Call 901-390-9898. That's 390-9898. Of course, that's the number for Herbie Systems, the lawn care company we love to brag about. All righty, let's go to Paul calling from Bartlett. Good morning, Veda, Kenneth, and Jim. I am falling out of my chair, Mr. Paul, because I haven't heard (laughs) your voice in so long, and I've heard about you, and I hope you're doing well, but I love to hear your voice on Saturday morning. Well, it's been a while. It's good to hear y'all, and I listen to you every, every Saturday morning, but sometimes I just y'all cover everything <laughs> and don't leave us anything to talk about out here. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is going on in Bartlett these days, Mr. Paul? Well, it's just like it is everywhere else. It's dry, and we're trying to drag hoses around and keep everything that's kind of watered until we get some rain. Isn't that the truth? And if you look at the forecast, I mean, it's going to be another week or so, it looks like, before we actually have a chance of rain. And it's only rained one time in the last month. That's right. Uh, It was a nice moon out this morning, Mm -hmm. but I didn't see any rain coming from it. No, no. Now, let me ask you a question. Years ago, you used to have that old canoe that was leaning up against the tree, Okay. Now, do you still have yep. that canoe that leans up against the tree? And the reason I'm asking, Mr. Paul, if you do, you can take that canoe, lay it down flat, fill that thing with water, okay? Usually mm-hmm. your canoe is floating on water. In this case, I want to fill it with water. And any time you have a plant that's dry, just throw yeah. it in the canoe. <laughs> Dunk it in the canoe. Well, yeah. I could do that. But let me tell you, the tree the canoe was up against, has fallen down, oh, God. and so the canoe is on the ground, and it's upside down right now. <laughs> so now it's but a good home for critters, during, yeah. The Yeah, the tree fell during one of the early storms that we had, and it's basically, some of the limbs have been cut off of it, and we made a fence out of that, and then the stump and the roots and all of it still laying there, and I think it's it's going to be garden art. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it is nothing I can't wrong find with anybody. I, 
I can't find anybody that'll just haul it off for me. And of course, they want to cut it up, and that would be all right. But I think I've looked at it for a good while now, and I've uh, run my little scooter under it mm-hmm. and look at it from all angles, mm-hmm. and I see a heart there instead of a fallen down tree. Yeah. See, I love that attitude. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, you know, turn lemons into lemonade, right? There you go. Now, Let Mr. me tell you, there's one, th- there's one thing I miss about the Garden Show. I love y'all's program, but I miss hearing Jamie and Jan. They hadn't been on in a while. Mm-hmm. And uh, Miss Gloria. Mm-hmm. And then that, but, uh, our friends from West Memphis. What's that lady's name? Miss Kim. Miss Kim. Or uh, Vivian. She called me here yeah. a while back. Her and Eddie. Don't, I hadn't heard from them in a while, but now I have heard from uh but some of the local people mm. that used to call in, all I guess they're using their computer. They yeah. are. I know they're listening to you, but I like to hear their voice on the radio. I mean, that's a that's a comforting mm-hmm. thing to hear them call in on the radio every Saturday morning. Well, it's just I like don't I just see people much. Right. It's like I just said, also, Mister Paul, like hearing your voice right mm-hmm. now. Brings me just all the memories back to me. Just hearing your voice, I'm, I, and I know you're well, that's, listening, that's, but it's it's different. I'm like you. I like to hear people. I like to hear the voices. Well, my radio finally just completely quit, and Jan come by one day. Jamie and Jan come by one day here a while back, and Jan hooked me up on my little old pad computer thing, yeah. so I can listen to y'all on that, and I get a good clear signal. And so I listen to y'all every Saturday morning. And also, I wanted to mention one other thing. Memphis Horticulture Society is having a meeting this next Tuesday. And the hours have changed. Got to come early, 530 for grazing and social. And then I think 6 o'clock for a program on. I believe it's going to be on new and exciting hostas. I think that's right. New and exciting Ooh. hostas. Like like that's all we need are more new and exciting hostas. Right, Mr. Paul? <laughs> I, 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 I've got the green one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I like the green <laughs> one. And, and Jim, you've got to quit saying them big old words. I, you know, I learned to say it like, like a numeral... Uh, <laughs> What is it, turkey vine? What's it? Lys- oh, numelaria. Lysmachia. Yeah. numelaria, yeah. Finally learned how to say that, and I still call it turkey vine. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the meeting starts at 530, and I think they're doing this for the older, for the senior citizens, so that they can see the program and still get home before dark. <laughs> we don't like to be on the street after dark. I love that flying out there, and they may hit us. And, and that's yeah. this, and that's this coming Tuesday night, Mister Paul. Yeah, yes, it is. Oh, I love and we it. We don't need any more problems than we've got already. Right, right. Because we don't need to be shot at when we come in our driveway. <laughs> I know that's right. Well, buddy, we love you to death, Mister Paul. If we can ever in this world do something for you, all you got to do is pick up the phone and let us know. And I'm glad that Jan made it out there and got that radio going up again for you. Yeah, well, thank you, Kenneth, and we we love the program and like listening to y'all, and y'all do a great job. And Jim, we appreciate your website. And um, mm. yeah, yeah, y'all all just do. A great I appreciate job you and a great participating so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've seen Mr. Paul's community. Thank you, buddy. Thanks again, Mr. Paul. You have a great weekend, and don't be a stranger. Thank you, guys. Thank you, buddy. Love you. 
Uh, and I, when I go on Jim's Facebook page, Mid South Gardening Zone six seven eight nine, I got no it. No none. Oh God. <laughs> um, I will see Mr. Paul comment from time to time, and every time I see his name, it just makes me think of him. Um, love yeah. him to death. What oh, a great yeah. dirt buddy. And he's right. We like to hear some of our people call. So um, on uh, September twenty fifth, nineteen twenty six. Do you know what oh, happened? Oh. September 25th, 1926. I can't remember. I am not that old. All right. So we can't remember. But Henry Ford announces the eight-hour, five-day work week. Where is he now? Boo! (laughs) You know what? It hasn't always thought, you know, back in the day you worked six days a week, 60 hours. I mean, way back. But then I was reading... After I read this, that no, it wasn't a thing that you worked eight hours a day, five days a week. Of no, course, you, you work eight hours a day or nine hours a day, seven days a week. No, no, it was less. Mm. It was actually less. And then uh, Henry Ford, you know, came up with this. And then it's been that way, of course, unless you're a farmer, you know, and all that. But just like you're general working. Well, unless so you we work at a garden center. Working for, yeah. <laughs> but at least that's fun. I've that's never, true. Never had a 40 hour week job. It's no. been more. Oh, almost. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's always more now. <laughs> what is 40 hours a week? Let's go to Jamie. Mr. Paul called Jamie. Good morning, Jamie, the Master Gardener. How are you today? Doing great. Thank you, ma'am. Listen, Jamie, when you get called out by our good friend, Mr. Paul, that we haven't heard from you lately, <laughs> then you did the right thing, okay? <laughs> okay. <We're, laughs> uh, it's, it's hard to follow a legend, though. <laughs> yeah. But you're becoming a legend also. Yeah, but anyway, thank y'all so much for being there. We, uh, we've got a lot of stuff going on here, personal stuff, but it looks like we got it all squared away now. And hope y'all are doing well, and thank y'all for being there. Like Mr. Paul said, it's a, a reassuring thing on a Saturday morning to hear you guys. Well, it goes back to y'all also, Jamie, our, our, our dirt, dirt buddies. I kind of can <laughs> never say that. Parties? Our wonderful <laughs> dirt buddies. Uh, you and Jan and, and Mr. Paul, just to name a few, and we love y'all to death. We surely appreciate you checking in on us. All right. Y'all be safe. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks for the call. Thanks, Jamie. We're always glad to hear him as well. Um, also, Tom Ryman, he's part of our co- garden, dirt birdies, bird dirt, dirties. Dirt buddy. Bird dirties. Yeah. Anyway, he's going to be speaking at Palladio on October 8th. That's not this Saturday, but next Saturday. Around 11 on the houseplant thing. A week from Bringing today. them in, bringing them. New ideas. Because, you know, sometimes you just stereotype the thought, houseplant, and you go to that one that was in the kitchen window that's got lots of dust that nobody worked on. Then you're like, mm-hmm. ah, I don't want houseplants. But, you know, it's really a lot of innovative things to do. So listen to Tom, and he'll fix you up with all that. Sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. And I'm that's a week from this it. coming Saturday. Yeah. And, yep. and, of course, I know we got to go to a break. Remember, uh, check out the local garden centers. I mean, if you're looking for stuff that uh, fresh stuff yeah. that's just arriving, I mean, all the fall color in the world, mm-hmm. the pumpkins. I mean, it's going to be a really a fun time of year. As soon as we get right below the 93-degree mark, yeah. I'm going to feel a lot better <laughs> about it. that happening? To a break. This is y'all's last chance to ask that question. 901-260-5926. <laughs> Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. 
I called out and said, that one question you wanted to ask before we're done, and Bill from Cordova has done such. Good morning, Bill. You're in the garden. Good morning. I'm enjoying the garden. First time caller. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Bill. Not to KWAM, but to you guys. Uh, and it, it's a very good show. I just have a quick question. I've got uh, three planted canna, canna lilies potted, and one, uh, it's called a fireball, I think, or something like that that I have around the electrical box of my yard. What do I need to do with those in the wintertime? Well, the cannas, I just, if you want to keep them in the pot, you can just drop them in the ground, take them out and plant them. The cannas are perfectly hardy here. Now, the fireball, yeah, I'm not real sure what yeah. that is. I'm, I'm only thinking that's the name of it. It looks kind uh, of like the canna lily. It's real big, and it's got these orange and yellow shoots that come out of the center. Well, it could be a variegated canna lily also. Uh, some bill, yeah. some of the cannas have just green foliage. Some of them have kind of a reddish-purple foliage. And some of them have a almost like a zebra stripe, uh, yellow and red kind of foliage on them. But I'm with, uh, with Jim. Cannas are extremely hardy here, especially if they're in the ground. Bill, they'll die back in the wintertime, but they'll come right back up next spring. Okay, I've... Yeah, I just have no place to plant them outside. Um, ah. box has the wires under it. Gotcha. And I can't really dig there very well. Then I, I it just, also has roots from old shrubs. I'd let the frost <laughs> knock them down, and then if you can move them into your garage, they'll be fine. You know, if it okay. Most of the time, they would be okay outside, but if you get temperatures down fifteen or so, it could kill them. You mean okay. if it freezes through will, the pot, right? Yeah. yeah. So I'll let put them, them in a garage, and do I need to keep them watered or anything periodically, or just let them sit? Uh, you probably won't have to water them more than once or twice. You know, you don't want them to get bone dry. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. Perfect. I appreciate the help. Hey, thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks, thanks for Bill. The call. Have a great weekend, buddy. And yeah, cannas uh, in pots, like you said, where anything in a pot, if you leave it outdoors yeah. and it freezes through that pot, if it gets to around 10 degrees like you're talking about, Jim, it can kill whatever's in the pot. He said the flower was yellow and red. It could be Cleopatra, which is a beautiful canna that has uh, bronze and green foliage. Um, and but, it, uh, it kind of sounds like his description. And I love cannas. I mean, I love how easy they are I to do. grow. I do. I just don't like the canna leaf roller. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> but I you're know, saying, and I've got written down my notes, I'm going to ask you this question next, but you're saying let it just get knocked back a little bit by the first hard frost. Then right. get out there and just cut it down almost three or four inches above ground level and just take that pot, Jim, and put it in the garage. Yeah, that'll be fine. And then I had it written in my notes, I was going to ask you or mm-hmm. you, uh, when is the best time to start cutting the banana trees back? Because right now they still look great. Yeah, You know, they have a little stress from all the drought that we've had and I hadn't really watered the way I should. But always wait until we get that first or second hard frost and then it just knocks them back, and then it's just a mess for me to try to get out there yeah. and get them cleaned up. Or is that the best time to do it? Well, I usually, two or three days before, I'm expecting the first frost or freeze, really. A frost, usually, a freeze. it will still I should survive. Say freeze, yeah. yeah. The first freeze, and, of course, I'm going to leave the stems upright. I'm just going to cut all the leaves off. And that's what I meant to ask you also, because I didn't do that last year, Jim. I cut mine down two inches above the ground. Of course, they all came back. Yeah. But I remember you saying you left the stalk. Yeah, but they got knocked down, too, because of last year. Okay. But I've had years where they don't get knocked down. So if we have a somewhat normal winter, uh, and if you've got a you know a stem that's six inches around, 
and it may stay up all through the winter time. So by June, you got they're leafed out and they're beautiful again. So, so that Ken is writing notes. <laughs> Sorry, so, Jim. It said <laughs> have these two kids over here passing notes between each other. All right. So I said, it, have we had a break? I couldn't remember. But if it, we just took a break. But the yeah, main reason okay. the main reason I was asking about this banana tree because I mean it is so many sprouts coming out of the ground now, mm-hmm. and it is a mushy mess. I'm telling you, Once if it I gets don't a hard exactly. So I, and I don't want to make that mistake again. Now, mm-hmm. then cut it off at the ground a few days before you're expecting mm-hmm. that freeze. Sounds easy enough for me. And that's exactly what right. I'm going to do because I'm not going to wait this time because that thing is so just inundated with water. Right. Uh, that even when I try to cut it, it Jim, you, yeah, it's it, just it's, not it's, it is a mm-hmm. mushy, mushy mess, and, and mm-hmm. it's so hard to cut when it gets that way. Also, yeah. mm-hmm. you almost have to just snip it somehow. You know, which I is use hard a to do. Saw and go out there and and. And yeah. it's like sewing through fabric. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. it's, it's tough to do, but it is doable. All right. So I just need to keep. I just need to keep an eye out for that because I, I I never get it when I should. But I don't want to do it prematurely either. I'm still enjoying this banana tree now. Mm-hmm. So I'm still got to what another six or eight weeks before I need to really think about it. Probably. Around this, or probably uh, maybe around the part mid November is when we start maybe getting our first. But you may be surprised. Oh, <laughs> God. Okay. <laughs> Not letting any so, cat out of the back, but we'll see. <laughs> and then the last thing, guys, and why have I had a lot of people coming into the garden center or calling me complaining just recently, and of course we have them all year, about <laughs> fire ants. I mean, I now, don't understand. Why are they yes. complaining now? I, I mean, it's, why would it's, it? Yes. Be, why would they be out there more? I mean, is it because it's so dry that they're. Up looking for moisture? No, you'd go deeper for moisture. No, but I've I've had a, quite a few people complain about you know they're they're really having a problem with fire ants, and I mean, and like I said, I know they're out there year round. I get it, but there I've had a lot of people just here recently talking about fire ants, and if you do have fire ants, me and Vader like to always say in Jim the old Texas two step, you know, and that means either using a combination of baits like spinosad bait come and get it or extinguish or one of those and a drench where you get a product like a permethrin or a spinosad or even a bifenthrin mm-hmm. and drench that mound um or a combination of the two but i'm telling you man i've had so many people complain about mm-hmm. fire ants lately did you have some thoughts on that jim well, this time of year, I would think that you know there may be some queens hatching that are going off to make other mounds, um, and maybe some of the colony is following the yeah. queen and just—I I mean, I'm telling you. But you know, fire mm-hmm. ants—you know—they're—they're they're not good. I mean, they're—you know—they can sting you, they bite you, and they—you know—it's very painful, and and that's the reason people don't like them around, and they surely make those big old mounds out there. Uh, healthy mounds anyway, but I think a combination of baiting and drenching, you can stay ahead of them. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm still a real fan of, of surrender, of the, the powdered orthene, or acephate. Absolutely. You know, you can buy a pound of that and it'll it'll treat like 100 mounds. What about drenching the mound with acephate? Well, you could, yeah. you know, but I like putting the powder on top because as the ants go in and out, they take that back down in there. Um, and... Years ago, I had a conversation with uh, one of the, the chemists from, from Ortho that was making packaging it then as Orthene. 
uh, and he said it releases a gas that resembles roadkill. I remember. So they me that. don't really realize they're being poisoned, and you can you can put two teaspoons on a mound there, and you can just almost take a watch to it. About seven minutes, they start hauling dead ants out. They won't leave a dead ant in the mound. So, dead ant, dead ant, dead ant, dead ant, and dead then. Ant. And then, and then <laughs> He's shaking his head, by the can't. Y'all ain't right. You're just not right. You're with us. Ah, we love we'll y'all. We'll be back next week, I hope. <laughs>